some bad news. I know it. I love when he does that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Don't me down, you piece of shit! Shut your mouth! Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark! Fire me! Fire me! How you think they gonna feel when they introduce your boys as the new... WWE, Undisputed, Tag Team, Champion. I don't know who's, they might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh, yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still might be hating on the Uso. Hating on us? Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. Yeah. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So, for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly...
We'll do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. It's Vincent Kennedy. Batman. <laughs> well, right off the bat, Josh, minus 14 on your performance evaluation out of the gate for that terrible attempt at VKM, the Voodoo Kin Mafia. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Welcome, greetings and salutations, everybody, to episode 312 of the Hoops Podcast. Uh, it's episode 312, but number one in your heart. That's always that's always the goal with each episode that we do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, the bar hasn't fallen off, and the momentum continues to go on since episode 300. Currently at 470,000 uh, downloads and plays on Anchor. Continue up to that road to 500 cases, so pretty uh, humbling. And thank you guys for the support each and every single week. If this is your first time listening or watching the Hoots podcast, just want you to know uh, sit back, relax, uh, don't take it too seriously. We have a lot of comedy banter and wit that goes throughout this broadcast, but we just want you to feel like we're sitting next to you and uh, talk about professional wrestling. I am the nefarious brother Adam, aka Joshy Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. Check out Josh Lopez music if you want to see me do some guitar covers. Uh, make sure to follow the good brother, the director of operations himself, Derek Stoughton, at Twitter at Derek Stoughton at Derrico06. That's uh, Jericho with a D on Instagram. Make sure to check out DerekStoughton.com and WrestlingRumors.net. With that being said, let me bring him in. Returning from the most beautiful part of the United States, Central Florida, Orlando, Florida, here he is, Brother Carter! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Greetings and salutations to everybody in the, the world of the podcast that hoots. Great to be back with you this week. I had a great time on my little vacation. No! Down in uh, Central Florida, I was in Orlando area. Great place to be. Josh, I now understand why you may be looking to moving down to great the state of Florida. The the, the fiancé, or as I like to call her, the finance, because uh, let's face it, that's what it's, that's what it's become. But it, it, she knows I love her. But the fiancé and I were talking, we were like, we la- as soon as we landed, we were like, okay, babe, we've got to find a way to move to Florida. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, all right. So we got to try to find a way to down there, but we had a great vacation. Uh, Disney was, we had a, we had a wonderful time in Disney. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of or, uh, Universal Studios. Not going to lie to you. I actually didn't really enjoy Universal Studios that much. Turns out I get motion sickness real bad. So all, and all of the rides in Universal are like, it's all a video screen and you're just in one place and moving all around. So I didn't do too well with that, but Disney was great. Had a great time. I should also mention Josh that, um, yeah, yes, you can follow me on Instagram at Jericho06. That is Jericho without, except with a D. But I am not a wizard. I would just like to state for the record that I am not a wizard. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I am. <laughs> yeah. I know, you are, I know you are a conductor. I am a conductor. Oh, that's right. I'm like a wizard, but you're not a wizard. I am not an actual wizard. That's correct. Or a demo god or any other useless vernacular uh, that i use to describe myself as a character that's completely or horrible. or a delusional jackass <laughs> member of the jerk off asshole society yes yes <laughs> okay but glad to be back with you ready to talk some wrestling this week well i'm glad you had a great time uh with the fiance in orlando I'm very happy for you guys that's pretty cool uh, i i love myself some florida everybody knows that and hopefully 
I can make the official move down in the fall. Hopefully, I can make that happen soon. Awesome. Anyways, uh, we drop the podcast each and every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts free of charge and YouTube, youtube.com backslash Hoots Podcast. I want everybody to know um, coming up in a couple of weeks, we have, let's see, we have not only Hell in the Cell this weekend, next uh, week we have NWA Always Ready and New Japan's Dominion Pavery, which is their SummerSlam in uh, New Japan. Um, uh, the following week, the 19th, I believe that's correct, is Slammiversary, the 20th anniversary of Impact or TNA or whatever you want to call it these days. Wow. <laughs> yes. Huh. And then the week after that, we wrap up this w- crazy month of pay-per-views on my end, uh, especially uh, the Forbidden Door. And boy, do I have some concerns about that show, and we'll get to that towards <sighs> the broadcast today. Yeah. But... Usually, you would expect us to start the show with the Good Brothers Q&A session. But we're flipping the script here at the Hoots Podcast. You never know what's going to come with the show. And all our opinions are authentic and true to ourselves. Just just like myself and Brother Carter are. Indeed. And I want to surprise some people. We're not starting off with what the hell is wrong with AEW. But we are starting with AEW this week. So... Hold on, I did get questions this week for Chris and uh, Nate the Great this week, uh, but that'll be in the next segment. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's time to play a game that I like to call Stir in the Pot with Brother Carter. And is, this, is this a new segment, Josh? Are you dropping a new segment on the show? <laughs> yeah, this is a new segment on the show when Brother Carter does not either have the time or just doesn't watch a particular pay-per-view. And I had to Catch him up with what's going on. And the game, the, the reason I call Stir the Pie, I let him know what's going on with what happened to Pay and see how long it takes for him to go off. And I'm glad that AEW is the subject, so this should be very, very interesting. Uh, we are so, up- so, Josh, is, is this like a variation on sports entertainment therapy on our set? Yes. <laughs> okay. But. <laughs> Except therapy, where I'm not going to accept. Instead of being therapeutic and giving advice, I'm going to get pissed off. Is this is this what you're? Yes. It okay. Is. Very good. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. Oh boy, this should be fun, and it's a good way to set off the tone because we got a lot to talk about. What the hell's wrong with AEW this week? Oh my god, do we ever? So in this segment, and I put it in the description for everybody that's watching, you'll get the timestamps later on once I'm done editing the show. But um, well, not only will we review the pay-per-view, but I also had to go off because there's a press scrum, or I should use air quotes here because press is uh, loose when it comes to the wrestling media spectrum, no. in my opinion. Um, well, we have a lot to talk about in the beginning. So sit back, relax, strap it down, as Hawk Harrison used to say before White Sox games. It's time to start some shit. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> All right. I love it. I'm here for it. Let's go. All right, let's talk about the 24-hour AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view that just took place at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas (laughs) this past Sunday night. All right. Let's see. I started um, the show, the the buy-in, the pre-show started at 6 o'clock Central Time. Right. I did not finish typing out that pay-per-view to 2.30 in the morning on Monday. 
you spent eight and a half hours with this pay-per-view? Yeah. By the way, don't anybody don't tell me that I I hate AEW because I don't know anybody that does that I do would do that. Now, mind you, I myself, Joshi, did not purchase this pay-per-view. I didn't feel uh the product compelled me enough to buy it. Also, this was a pay-per-view that I was not being paid for to cover or transcribe. I was doing this free of my website, ProWrestlingTransfers.com, for you guys. Bookmark it. Yeah, bookmark it. Um, and we got a lot to talk about. So in the bio, we had everybody's new favorite tag team, Hookhausen, or as I like to call, Hook Clansen. <laughs> oh, God. By the way... I, I can't believe that I, I should be surprised, but literally AEW ripped off Tony Nese's 205 Live theme song where it just uses the, the bass pedal on the drum. I'm like, you guys could be more generic than that. I I, 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 I already should know the answer to that because most of the wrestling in the ring is generic. And just yes. about everything else in AEW is generic. Correct. Uh, so Pretty simple business. Hook housing cleans house with uh, Tony Nese and Mark Sterling. Was what it was. Uh, I am excited for Hook's future, but I have, again, for myself, I don't know why the hell he's being associated with this clown. Any thoughts there, my friend, uh, Brother Carter? I just, I don't get what the big deal with Danhausen is. And somehow he's got this cult following. Like people go batshit crazy for Danhausen. And I what does he do? What does he do? Like he puts curses on people. Does does he actually wrestle? No. Okay. So Josh, I didn't watch the match. How long how many bumps did Danhausen take during this match? Uh probably two or three. And Hook did everything else, right? Yes. Okay, so what is, like, what, but you know he's getting paid more than MJF. So, um, you know, what, what is the deal with this? And are they trying to bury and destroy Hook before his career even starts? Like, Ugh. and, okay, and then we've got Smart Mark Sterling, right, who I guess is now involved with this, but then on Dynamite he's serving papers to Wardlow for some stupid reason. Like, what, what? I just don't understand this whole Danhausen thing. Um, I'm glad Tony Nese is at least getting a chance to wrestle because I like Tony Nese. Um, Hook's got a bright... I haven't seen much of Hook, but from what everybody tells me, he's very talented and has a very bright future. Uh, but I, I just... I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it, but I shouldn't be surprised because this is all elite wrestling. So <laughs> what is elite about all elite wrestling, Josh? I ask you. Hey, that's the question of the week, everybody that's listening to the pod. Let's know on Twitter what is the lead about AEW. Um, all right, let's keep moving on here. Um, the show kicked off with Wardlow and NGF. Wardlow, full Goldberg esque entrance. Jones, uh, name is Fernand Burnham. Uh, he demolishes NGF, a lot of power bonds, kind of what you figure it would be with that match with their story. No problem there on my end, but. We'll get to the promo that Jeff put later on, but from my view, from watching the pay-per-view and all the news that came around that weekend, kind of overshadowed what that moment was supposed to be for Wardlow. And 
just for everybody that says everything is rainbows and butterflies at AW, I, th- I think you're full of shit. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, well, go ahead. No, I, I just go ahead. So, and, and I know we'll get into this. Um, I feel really bad for Wardlow because I think this should have been a bigger moment. From what I could tell, this should have been a bigger moment than it was. Um, it seems to me, and, and I'm Josh, I'm just thinking about what I saw on Dynamite last night. I worry so much for Wardlow because there's no doubt Wardlow has star star power. No doubt about it. Wardlow has potential to be a a major star. He's got the look. I actually think he's can be pretty good on the mic if he's given a chance. So Wardlow's got potential. I don't think AEW knows what to do with Wardlow. I really don't. And, and we'll get into this when we talk about um, uh, dynamite this week, but so that's my only concern with this, but it looked like from what I read, it was a squash match. Um, that, that's what it needs to be. Wardlow got all his frustrations out on MJF. Fine. Fine. But yeah, I just, I just worry about what they're going to do with Wardlow going forward. Up next on the AW marathon here, uh, we had the Yub Bucks against the Hardy boys. Oh my God. <laughs> it wouldn't be an AW pay-per-view without a 20 minute Yum Buck match. A quote unquote dream match. Yes, uh, I, I think I heard Shivani say dream and great in this match like 30 times. By the way, it's probably a bad suggestion, and I wouldn't recommend anybody, especially if they're straight edge. But going forward, on any AW broadcast, take a shot every time you hear JR or Shivani use the word great to describe something in AW. Like, it, I don't know if it's the company tone in AW, but they have a very Donald Trump manga esque rhetoric that they spew out a lot of times. No, Everything no. is great. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen in the na, 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 na. it's like I please don't I don't want to hear that voice and I certainly don't want to hear that rhetoric in my ears. Anyways like um yeah this match was a complete and utter dumpster fire. Uh the up books it doesn't matter if you're fighting middle aged wrestlers uh job guys Good tag teams, bad tag teams. Every young bug match is every young bug match. Correct. So this you have to see this match and you probably know what it went like. But here's the thing: the Hardy Boys beat the, the Young Bucks at double or nothing. And Jeff Hardy looked like complete and utter shit in the ring on Sunday. So Josh, nothing that you have said surprises me one bit. When right. Jeff, when I saw Jeff Hardy versus Darby Allen on Dynamite like a couple weeks ago, I was like, "Oh God, Jeff Hardy needs to give this up now. He's he is done. He needs to be a trainer. He needs to be a producer, whatever." But dude, give it up, man. Same thing with well, Matt Hardy's needed to go away for years. He's he looks like a complete disaster. And the Young Bucks are what the Young Bucks are. They're spot monkeys who can't cut a promo or tell a story. But I guarantee you. Every single thing that happened in his match, the AEW crowd lost their minds. I guarantee it. And at the start of the show, I was like, holy shit, holy shit, AEW, AEW. Like, I guarantee you that's what happened with this. And I, 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 I would have probably been insulted watching this match. So I'm glad I didn't. Jeff Hardy needs to go away. I've been reading reports that he's not in good shape. Duh. Like, I could have told you that watching him in the ring for 30 seconds. Like, again... All of this ties back to what we're going to be talking about with the MJF promo, but there's your proof right there. Go ahead. All right, next year on the docket, because this is a long-ass pay-per-view. There's a lot of matches. How long was this show, Josh? Well, 
obviously you have the buy-in, so that's one hour. Uh, the runtime for the pay-per-view uh, live went from 7 to 11.30 Central Time. So, four and a half hours. Yeah, five and a half hour pay-per-view. Do you, so, Josh, do you remember when people were complaining at WrestleMania 35 when they ran a five-hour show and yeah. the women who main evented the show kind of got shortchanged because the crowd was so tired? Yep. You remember that? But, yeah, but, but AEW is going to be the alternative. They're going to learn from WWE's mistakes, yet they run a five-and-a-half-hour fucking show. Not only that, the last three matches on the show, Burr Carter, all were 20-plus minutes each. Now, picture this for myself from a transfer point of view. I see a match. I see the time of it, right? Right. Young Bucks and the Hardy Boys. Now, mind you, I was not covering this live. I was doing it from behind and waiting for certain parts to be uploaded online, right? So I'm I'm trying. I'm going from behind, and I I go to Twitter for updates just to like format the match order and just the the transfer lingo and all that outline crap, you know. Mm-hmm. So I see, oh, the Young Bucks and Hardy Boys went 20 minutes. You know what that rings in my head? I'm typing this stupid match for 40 minutes at least, right? And of course, I got the, the match just takes slower for me to type out because I got to deal with the dead courts ref that doesn't know how to referee if his life depended on it. And then there's other matches like Aubrey Edwards, which I'll get to later on, who, which never ceases to uh, amaze me with her competence. But, anyways, we had the next match. It was uh, Jake Cargill putting her TBS title on the line against Anna Jay. Man, what a beautiful woman. Jungle Boy is a lucky man. Yeah. Uh, yes. Match was kind of here and there. I usually, I, I'm not one to really go off about botches and stuff. I, I don't, I really, I don't like talk about that stuff, but um, this was not good. Um, Jay did retain eventually, but there's, of course, shenanigans. Not only, by the way, not only is Jay Cargill represented by two females. And Mark Sterling. Out comes Stokely Hathaway, formerly known as Malcolm Vivens in NXT to represent Jay Cargill now. And I'm sure maybe the pair between those two will work fine because Stokely is good on the microphone. He's a good performer and all that. But again, it's like doubling down on acts that are not working and just adding on different layers that don't need to be there. You already had two women there. Jake can speak for herself. Mark <clears throat> Sterling has been useless the entire time he's been associated with Jake Cargill, this entire pairing. And what did this do for Anna Jay? After the match, they had this big stare off. Oh, out comes Chris Statlander. And oh, hey, this, this, would, this would be an AW pay-per-view without a WWE person coming out. Out comes Mrs. Look at me. Feel sorry for me, dirt sheet writers. It's me. It's Ember Moon. All to lead up to some big-ass trios match on Rampage that's going to draw 350,000 people, probably. (laughs) For those of you that are not watching this live, I am shaking my head in disgust literally the entire time. Josh, can you vouch for that? Yes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> I'm shaking my head in disgust. Here's okay. <clears throat> I've said this for a little while now. Jade Cargill needs to go to NXT because I think Jade Cargill has the look. 
I think she can talk, but she's got to improve. She's definitely still green in the ring. Get her to NXT. They can work on her skills. They can really train her to be a great wrestler. If they were to do that, Jade Cargill could be a superstar. I, I believe that anyways. I think Jade Cargill is fantastic. Okay, <clears throat> so here comes Athena, right? Formerly known as Ember Moon. She's about to jump the line ahead of Chris Stantlander, Ty Conti, all the other women that are busting their ass for the TBS championship because she's Tony Khan's favorite flavor of the month. And she and she went out and bitched to Sean Ross Sapp and Seltzer and Alvarez. And because she did that, all of a sudden, oh, she must have a point. Tony Khan, because I'm a mark who should be behind the guardrail and not in front of and not signing checks. <laughs> he's Athena, you know, Athena is the flavor of the month, so she's gonna jump the line. She's yep. gonna jump everybody and get her match to only get squashed by Jade Cargill and then get relegated to dark. Yeah. By the way, there's only so much of a high you can get off of being like, hey, I got my knock off uh of my former employer. Like we're three years at AW, and do you really believe these people behind the scenes are really popping themselves after they do these little WWE things? Yes. They're saturated or or orgasmic feeling inside. Oh, I I lift this weight off my shoulder. I can't believe I got out of prison and all this stupid shit they say all the time. Yes, I do believe that because they're going there to get their huge paycheck to be featured once on television every six weeks. Uh, and then they're just living their life, getting paid to do nothing. So I think that they're loving it. Well, hey, life is good at the WWE Daycare Center. All right, let's talk about the next match here. <laughs> uh, this one was one of the few matches I enjoyed on the card. Uh, Death Triangle against House of Black. Uh, this view, this view is kind of overstated. It's welcome in my point of view, so I'm glad it was over. But the match itself I thought was pretty enjoyable until the end, though. Okay. Puck is going up for the Black Arrow. Lights go out. Oh, here we go. Hey, is it Bray Wyatt for the fifth fucking time? <laughs> nope. It's Julia Hart in the ring. She finally joins the House of Black, spins the Black Mess, uh, the Black Mist into uh, oh. Pac's eyes. That's how House of Black beats the Death Triangle. Enjoyed the match, but her doing the whole angle of Turn the lights off and doing the mess should have been done a month ago. Right. And, and uh, yeah, AW, AW. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they finally did it at least because I thought Julia Hart should join House of Black for a long time. I think yeah. that that's a good change for her character. Gives kind of mix it up a little bit. Let's see what she can really do. So, was it late? Yes, but I'm glad they finally did it and they can finally move on. And now House of Black will not be seen on television for three weeks, and we're going to all of a sudden supposed to remember what happened with Julia Hart. But, yeah, great. Yeah, by the way, that match, I think, was 17 minutes. I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. All right, let's keep going here. Now we get to the portion of the pay-per-view where they do not only one Owen Hart match for a card, they do it back-to-back. So you get the men and the women, bang-bang. Great. Now, you, if it was me, I wouldn't format it that way. But I, if that's what they wanted to do, it had the speech from Martha Hart after that perfect fight. No, no harm, no foul. Right. But we start off with Adam Cole and Samoa Joe. You see this on paper, you think, oh, hey, this would be a good match. This should be pretty decent. Yep. 
I hate saying that because I'm an Adam Cole fan, but this was me the entire match. Oh no! Okay, can I just get to the next thing? This went on for 12 minutes. I didn't feel any heat for Adam Cole. Uh, Joe, I know he's getting a little bit older. He's just relied more on jabs and stuff than he stuff he's doing in the past. But this match was what it was. Cole did some dirty tactics on the way to beat uh, Samoa Joe. He is the men's winner of the Old Heart Tournament. Kind of predictable. I'm, I'm, hey, guys, I call Spade Spade, and it's hard. I try to be fair with everybody. I watch a lot of wrestling, maybe too much wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do a lot to, like, really, like, stand out for me for to really put over your match, and this didn't do it for me, Brian Carter. This felt like wow. a, a dry, sterile TV match that just went longer than they needed to, and Adam Cole won. Kind of predictable. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on it? Well, okay, so obviously I'm not surprised Adam Cole won, and we'll get to the 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 women's portion of it here in just a moment. So no surprises there. Yep. Um, honestly, Josh, if I'm being honest with you, hearing that doesn't surprise me because ever since Adam Cole joined All Friends Wrestling. He has deteriorated, and he's not in shape. He looks bad. I don't like his heel gimmick. And it's unfortunate, too, because I, I was so big on Adam Cole in NXT. I really was, and I, I loved Adam Cole in NXT. Um, I was texting with a buddy of mine who's has recently gotten back into pro wrestling and shown him AEW, and he texted me each other the blue. He's like, Adam Cole looks terrible. He looks out of shape. And this is from a guy that, you know, he's just a casual fan. I was like, dude, you're right. So I hate to say it, Josh, but hearing that doesn't surprise me. AEW has ruined Adam Cole, but why should I be surprised? Could you say that this run so far for Cole has been a flop? Yes. What I expected it was going to be? thousand percent. thousand percent. It's been a, it's been a complete, it's been a flop. Yes. And not the good kind of Ric Flair flop. It's been a regular flop. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> um, all right. Then we get to Britt Baker and Ruby Soho. By the way, great to see Rancid uh, play Ruby yeah, Soho. Yeah, I heard that that happened. That's cool. Yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then Britt Baker had the lead uh, guitar lead guitar player from uh, Fozzie, Rich Ward, play her down screen for her entrance. A little bit better than the other guitar player that they – Shuffled out for Fozzie at Revolution because that was a bad. <laughs> I think you saw that paper. That was a bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, good to see Rich Ward there. So that's cool. Um, I thought this was the better of the two Owen Hart matches. Um, the controversy out of this is the uh, decision of who won the match. Um, Britt Baker uh, defeated Ruby Soho. A lot of people are upset about it. I am a fan of Britt Baker to a certain extent. Um, I, I Again, I'll keep saying it. And I try to be fair and objective. But, hey, if you're going to do forearm exchanges, you need to lay your shit in. And I think Britt does one of the sloppiest forearm exchanges that I see in wrestling. This windmilling and just doing it like this, the other time it's not effective. And it looks very sloppy at times. Um but I am a fan of Britt Baker. A lot of people are trying to run this new angle about her being the new Charlotte. If anything, hey, you're just giving more credit to Britt Baker because if she's that good, she's that good. Um, also, um, Ruby Soho, 
she's popular with the crowd. The music hits, they cheer for her. But when the the bell rings, it's not. It, it's just generic. I, 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 maybe I'm wrong looking at it that way, Brett Carter. But just objectively watching the show, it's like there's nothing unique to her when it comes to the ring, and her offense doesn't compel me to cheer for her. And uh, Britt Baker won. I thought it was the right decision, um, but you know, oh, I can't believe that Barry Ruby Soho. You really think she was going to do anything with the way this company does stuff? <laughs> well, what's your thoughts on that? The highlight, <clears throat> the highlight of Ruby Soho's tenure in AEW was when Rancid played her to the ring. Yes, <laughs> correct. <laughs> Other than that, she's lost every major opportunity she's ever had. Um, she's been featured maybe occasionally on Rampage and on Dark. Yep. Uh, she pinned Britt Baker this week on Dynamite. Fine. But so this leads me to either one of two things to think of one or two things, Josh. One, and I actually think both are true. One, AEW has no idea how to manage their women's division, but we've known that for years. It's been right. all except women. And two, Ruby Soho is just not as good as we thought she was. Mm. And I... I think both of those could be true. And listen, I, I I want Ruby Soho to be successful. I like Ruby Soho. I think that she has a unique look. Um, and, you know, fine. I wa- Again, I, I wish her nothing but the best. But maybe she's just not as good as we thought she was. But, oh, my God, AEW is burying our favorite superstar. Uh, really? Weren't you dweeb saying that about WWE about six months ago? Hmm. <laughs> so finally, when AEW does something you don't like, you turn on them real fast. Shocking. Yeah, big Shocking. time. Shocking. <laughs> the 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 double standards, no no bounds in this field, brother Carter. You know that as well as I do. Which is why, Josh, and I've told you this: AEW is going to be out of business in five years because eventually, the AEW is going to do something that the fans aren't going to like, and they're going to stop watching. We'll have to see it when that occurs. Uh, yep. All right. Next here on the docket, we had um, this is the part of the show where the fatigue starts coming in and the nonsense and the bullshit starts. Okay. So we have American Top Team, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Paige Van Zandt. By the way, I thought she did very good in her first in-ring performance. Uh, very beautiful woman, by the way. A tremendous waterfall. Uh, but they took out the team of Frankie Kazarian, um, uh, Sammy Douchebag Guevara and Ty Conti. They came out with some weird outfits uh, on Sunday. I forgot what Disney character they were going for, but it was very interesting. May I ask a question, Josh? Frankie Kazarian's supposed to be a face, right? Correct. Sammy <laughs> Guevara and Ty Conti supposed to Our be heels, heels, right? Correct. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Just making sure. Five heels, one baby face. <laughs> And by the way, Aubrey Edwards was the referee for this match. So six heels. <laughs> so six heels and a face. Yeah, okay, great. Let's not forget Dan Lambert on the outside. Let's make that seven. <laughs> hey, Dan Lambert's the only redeeming part of any of this, I'm sure. Yes, he's a national treasure. Um, yeah, this was a complete match that should have been on Dynamite, Dark, or Elevation, or even Rampage. Uh, this went way too long. It served no purpose. Americans top team did win, so they did adhere to the rule that as long as Scorpio Sky is the champion, Ethan, uh, my bad, uh, Kazarian and 
Guevara will not get a shot at the TNT title. I'm just glad this stupid feud's over. <laughs> and I thought it was a waste of time. It should not have been on the pay-per-view. Let's move on to the next match. Um, Darby Allen against Kyle Riley. A match Why? on Rampage before the pay-per-view. Why? <laughs> because Red Dragon attacked Sting and they wanted to wait last minute to announce the match when they should have done it the week prior. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, this was a Got a good match, don't get me wrong, but you're already three and a half hours into this pay-per-view. This match has no consequence to it. Kyle Riley beats Darby Allen, and nobody gives a shit. That that's my review of the match. I enjoyed the action in the ring, but did anybody get over? Did anybody give a shit? No. no. <laughs> All right. Hold on. One other thing I'll say. Darby Allen needs to leave AEW as soon as possible because I I, I believe Darby Allen has a ton of talent, but he's going to take one too many stupid bumps and he's going to end his career sooner rather than later. You watch. Yeah, I don't know how many many coffin drops he can do on that ring apron. Um, Hey, if if you want to look at an example, just look at Jeff Hardy. You have a perfect example right in front of you about what will happen if you continue to take stupid bumps. Um, next to the program, we had uh, a pretty good match here. Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb uh, with the uh, AEW Women's Championship. Good as advertised. This is one of the best matches on the show. Uh, sure. Thunder Rosa retained. Uh, Fire Thunder Driver Jones. Uh, very good match. No complaints on my end. So any thoughts on that? Did you watch Serena Deeb to win? Or what was no, I mean, I'm fine with Thunder Rosa winning. I think Serena Deeb is there to help develop some of the younger female talent. So and work with them. So, no, I had no problems with this at all. I'd just be curious to see who's next for Thunder Rosa. I wish they would have addressed that on Dynamite this... Oh, wait. We don't know how to... (laughs) By the way, this next match started at 10 o'clock Central Time. It is Anarchy in the Arena. Oh. (laughs) Here we go. Oh, my God. You know the participants, so I don't have to rattle them off. This, oh my god. Even I need to do a face palm here because it's... This match took me an hour to type out. A fucking hour to type out. Now, here's the thing. You know the deal, it's no DQ. By the way, you want to know who the referee of this match was? Paul Turner. Nope. Aubrey Edwards. You got it. (laughs) So if you have every factor of what makes a mud show in AW, you had it in this match. So here's the thing. We got this. I'm supposed to be a serious technical wrestler and Brian Danielson coming out with uh, street fight clothes. And the Jericho uh, Jackoff Society, uh, they come out dressed as the Backstreet Boys. And <laughs> and then they start off to actually, no, listen to this, Brian Literally, they had John Boxley's music play, right? He comes out there, they start brawling in the crowd before the building. because God forbid you can't have a fucking match, a 10-man tag or anything like that without doing a stupid brawl before the bell rings, right? So they all start fighting in the, in the entire arena. And here's the thing. The, the stupid Wild Thing song kept playing for the first, I don't know, eight minutes of the match. It just going on the loop. Wild Thing, you make my ass stink. 
And nice. I'm 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 getting I'm getting distracted while I'm typing this out, right? Like, what the hell's going on here? All for all for Chris Jericho, who's probably the biggest hypocrite in the entire professional wrestling business when it comes from a character point of view. He right. turns off and breaks the soundboard and, <laughs> and turns the song off. The guy who gets uh, a boner for people singing Judas before he gets to the ring is the guy that cuts the music off. You'll hear a little bit about that in the media scrap in a couple of minutes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so this was complete uh, mud show fest. Uh, you could call it Sadie a stampede. You can call it Anna Carter Arena. It's basically the same format of the match, Brooke Carter. Uh, Rumble, Rumble in the jungle. You know what do you can call it? Rage in the cage. Rumble in the jungle. Penis in Uranus. Whatever you want to call it. Yes. <laughs> Maga against outlaw mud show wrestlers. That, that's what I called that match. <laughs> and everybody's bleeding. John Moxley's bleeding. Magic Matt. Daddy Magic, Matt Menard is bleeding. Uh, uh, Eddie Kingston is bleeding. He comes down to the fucking entranceway with a gasoline can on his hand. And all hell is breaking loose. Um, the crowd is into it. I, I'll say that. They're cheering for it. But of course they were. watching it at home, again, knowing how misleading this AEW audience is when it comes to good stuff in professional wrestling. Um, this was... Much show as I could say a much show was, Brett Carter. I, nothing good redeeming quality of it. I even told you what happened at, at the end of the match. By the way, Brian Danson gets choked out by Chris Jericho and Jake Hager, who wrapped the bull rope around Danielson's neck. So the Jericho Appreciation Society beats John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, etc. All just to build up for the fact that we're gonna have Blood and guts <laughs> later on this month in Detroit, Michigan on June 29th. Brother Carter, please take away. What's your thoughts on anarchy in the arena? <laughs> I, I'm speechless. I have no speech. I have no speech when it comes to <laughs> No, you're telling me you've got one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time in your company, in Brian Danielson who's been doing tremendous work before he got with the Blackpool Combat Society, great or Combat Club or whatever the fuck they're called. Right. Um, you've got this great, again, what, one of the greatest of all time in technical wrestling, doing incredible work as a heel. He is being forced to go into these outlaw mud show garbage matches, which are costing him his career, getting choked out by a fucking wizard and a useless... Jake Hagar, who has probably not been relevant since 2005. So you're telling me this is how you're treating one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Correct. <laughs> and he took the L. Don't forget that. He took the L. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? We also didn't – was he on Dynamite this week? I don't remember seeing him on Dynamite oh, yeah. this week. Oh, yeah. So, what, so is he going to come back as this, like, Butch type character where he's just going to run and just start beating everybody's ass instead of being one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. What the f- oh my! By the way, how am I supposed to disbelieve? How 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 am I supposed to suspend my disbelief when uh, dancing now does the whole thing? Oh, I'm going to kick his fucking head in. 
I, when he says that the next time, I'm just going to start laughing because I'm going to expect someone to attack him from behind and do what they did. <laughs> That's not what Danielson does. Right. He he does the whole I'm about to kick people's head and he said that Ring of Honor is stuff in the past. That that's not intimidating anymore. I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> so yeah, that was An- complete utter bullshit. Another professional wrestler whose talents are being wasted in all elite wrestling. Yep. I can think of two people in the company who actually have value, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. And I'm sure you can think of the two. Yes. Um, really quick, let's go to the last two matches here so we can get to the yeah. Um okay. Um First, we had the triple threat tag team match that went out for 18 minutes. Uh, Jurassic Express, uh, as if we haven't had enough 10 man, six mans uh, on this card already. Uh, going against C Taz, against Keith Lee and Swerve Scott, who should be a tag team. Um, anyways, I thought the action was good, but the Jurassic Express retained. <laughs> um, I thought this was a drop ball by AEW here. I thought Team Taz should have won this match by a country mile. And this was a complete flop. Um, a lot of tumbling routines and stuff like that. Uh, Juggles Express wins. Uh, I just thought this was a bad idea. I don't have much to add to that. I'm not surprised. I mean, what, where does Jungle Express go from here? And, and you know... Actually, you know what's going to end up happening, Josh, is they'll drop the titles, and then when AEW uh, introduces their trios titles, which I'm sure is coming at some point, they'll win those belts. And uh, whatever. Let's move on. Uh, All right, the main event, which started at 11 o'clock Central Time. Did the crowd have any energy left? Um, You couldn't find it in this match. (laughs) Uh, So... See a punk against Hangman Page. They had the weird little talking stuff they had in Dynamite going into this pay-per-view. We talked about that last week. Um, and it was just a match. Punk slipped uh, trying to do the buckshot lariat. Uh, that was not a good visual. Uh, got a little sloppy uh, in the middle portion of the match. Um I don't know if it's just because Tony Khan is such a mark for New Japan that he feels like his world title matches and every other big time matches need to be 20 plus minutes. But this was not it. This was not a good match to crown a new champion. Um, and I really thought that Heyman Page's legs and balls got cut out from underneath him uh, on Sunday. Just with the whole way that was presented and everything, they're going into it. So basically, towards the end of the match, uh, Heyman Page, uh, I guess he brought a chair into the ring. He wasn't sure if he wanted to hit Punk with it. Boom, 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 boom. GTS. CM Punk's your new AEW World Champion. Um, of course, I'm always happy for CM Punk and stuff that he does. I have an obvious bias towards him. So it's really... Um, I really don't have to say say anything about negatively towards him, but the whole situation with the main event just left the sour taste in my mouth for Hangman Page more than anything. Um, I just felt like this was just a match to prop up Tony Khan's big toy fish shining, uh, and anybody with a brain that would know. 
by the time the AEW returned to the United Center in Chicago, CM Punk would have been the AEW champion. Of course. I ever since Punk came in, I thought we'd been in this seven, eight month holding pattern for CM Punk to become the uh, AEW champion. Then to hear Excalibur last night on Dynamite say that all oh, CM Punk climbed the ladder, my ass. <laughs> what fucking ladder? No. He could keep it at any time at any show at Grand Slam, at Full Gear, at Revolution, all these stupid shows, uh, uh, the the beach show that they did in fucking Cleveland. They could have done this at any time. <laughs> any time. Right. And you just cut the balls off of one of your top young performers. What, what, what's going to happen with Heyman now? He's going to turn into the heel? Who's he going to feud with? I... I... I don't know. Okay. So Josh, here, here, here are kind of my thoughts on this. Um, obviously we knew what was going to happen. CM Punk was going to win the world title. Fine. Um, I have no problems with that. Um, I think that was the right decision. Uh, you, you want to talk about probably the biggest example of a transitional champion of all time. Look no further than hangman Adam page. His, his run was not good. Um, it was, they tried to turn him heel for some reason and it didn't work. Um, they tried to, so uh, again, you're talking about trying to make your title relevant, right. And trying to build up your stars. That clearly was a flop with hangman, Adam page. Um, you think about who are their other homegrown stars? Could, are any of them going to be challenging punk for the world title anytime soon? No. Because I don't think they're going to throw MJF in there with Punk, who would be the only other reliable option. Because, like, you think Darby Allen's going to challenge for the world title? No. You think Jungle Boy's going to challenge for the world title? No. So what are they going to do? Are they going to put the world title on Tanahashi? At this point, you know, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they put the title on Tanahashi or, you know, Will Ospreay or somebody from New Japan, you know? to This... <laughs> How they've handled this whole situation has been abysmal. Again, happy for Punk. Glad, and I, you know, this is me saying this, Josh. Happy for Punk. He needs to be the AEW World Champion because the 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 pop that he gets, the reaction that he gets, is through the roof. That's going to be a very special moment when he arrives in Forbidden Door as the World Champion. That's going to be very cool. But uh, they have mishandled. Shocking, I know they have mishandled this entire thing. Um, Hangman Page means less now than he ever has where do you go from here um i don't know but congrats to punk glad he's world champion but yeah at least aew has a champion that's somewhat on the same level as wwe if i'm being honest like i actually wouldn't mind seeing punk versus reigns i think that could actually be kind of cool but i don't know man that, my friends, was the AW Marathon Extravaganza known as Double or Nothing. Wow. And that was even the worst part of that night, Brother Carter. <laughs> oh, boy. After that, there was a two-and-a-half-hour press scrum, which I'm dubbing the most embarrassing night in the history of my field. Oh, dear. And when you say your field, you're talking about like wrestling journalism. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I'm. I'm. I'm removing podcasters and stunts to the side. 
strictly on the premise and the basis of journalism and media in general. Um, I've never seen so much ass kissing in a press conference in my entire life. <laughs> to the point where one reporter said, man, I, I think this is my 13th AEW show and it keeps getting better and better and better. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I'm going to give credit where credit's due. I'm going to give credit to Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc. for bringing up the question and also following it up with another question about the length of the pay-per-view. Because that was probably the only contentious part of the interview outside of, I'm sure you probably heard something about him going off on Bischoff, right? Right. I did, yeah. We'll we'll talk about that later. Um, Nick, that's the first question uh, outside of NGF. Tony Khan would not talk about NGF. Of course not, because Meltzer and Alvarez. By the way, Meltzer and Alvarez were in the scrub, too, and they were there. (laughs) Of course they were. So Tony Khan, of course, um, he's not going to talk about NGF. All right. You know, that's your deal. It's okay for you to uh, to go run to Dana White and tell him about WWE going from Allegiant State to NGF Grand Garden Arena, but when the shit starts hitting the fan for you, you have nothing to say. I want to be a loudmouth, but only when it benefits me. Correct. Fucking coward. Anyways, Nick Houseman asked about the length of the pay-per-view. Nick Houseman said he had people reach out to him, especially on the East Coast, which the pay-per-view ended at 12.30 at midnight on a Monday. Now, there's a uh, holiday. We're just coming off the heels of Memorial Day. By the way, shout out to all our veterans and people in the military. Absolutely. Still doesn't change the fact that people still work on a Monday, right. on Memorial Day. It's not like Labor Day where everybody's mostly off. Right. Um, and he's like, well, you know, USC pay-per-views are usually long, and uh, I didn't really feel like it's long. I thought uh, we hit all the ties we need to hit. <laughs> this is the funny quote from the scrub that he said. Okay. He said that Double or Nothing was the best final three matches that he's done on a pay-per-view in their run. The best final three matches that he's ever done on a pay-per-view. The floor is yours. <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> what do you, Josh, what do, what do you even say? <clears throat> this asshat, let's call it what he is, Yes. Tony Khan is an asshat. Is probably the most delusional promoter, and right. I use that word in in parentheses. Yes, in air quotes, promoter in the history of professional wrestling. He is even more delusional than Bischoff was at WCW. Like, I get that you have to promote your brand. I get that. Like, and you have to, you know, you have to stick up for your product. I understand that. Fine. But don't don't insult the intelligence of your fans 
who everybody that watches AEW is probably a quote-unquote smart fan, a more invested fan. If you watch AEW, you're not a casual fan because Correct. you can't watch it from week to week and then follow what's going on because you're like, well, I just saw this last week. What, I want to see what happens, but we're not getting that this week. So, but now we're getting these new... I'm confused. I'm going to go watch WWE where I can follow what's happening every week and they have consistent storytelling. And they have a fucking identity. And having an identity, correct, and not relying on the laurels of bashing your your um, competition. So I just – at some point, Josh, and I think we're starting to get to this point because I started to read what the folks were saying about Double or Nothing, and even the AEW faithful were like, this was not a good pay-per-view. It wasn't. This, this was bad. This was long. This was – uh, okay. way, double or nothing is their WrestleMania, right? This is like this is their that's because their first show ever was double or nothing. Um, three, I think that's is that where Brian Cage debuted and that was the big reveal? No, that, that, that was the year after that, but okay, it was, the it okay. Yeah. Showed up. Yeah. got it, got it. Um, I, I mean, I, listen, we're about at the point now where it's time for like. The it the 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 honeymoon period is over for AEW. We're three years into this promotion. AEW, it's time for them to put up or shut up. And they are now. Do I think this? We'll get into this here in a minute. But do I think this whole MJF thing is a work? Yes. But I I also think that and we'll get into this here in a minute. But they're at a point now where the bashing WWE it's getting old. The ex WWE people making their debuts it's getting old. Like, yes. you've got to do something with your product or people are going to stop caring. But you know that Tony Khan has signed them all to lucrative contracts because that's what's brought them over from WWE. So the fans are going to give up. The money's going to run out. But those talents still expect to be paid. And where's the money going to come from? I, I Tony Khan is in a... And I'm, I'm actually... Follow me on Wrestling Rumors this week. I'm going to put in an opinion piece about this. Tony Khan is in a lot of trouble, I think. This is this is his moment. He needs a reality check. This is his moment to prove whether he actually belongs in the business. Because if he can't navigate these waters, AEW is done. Yep. So, All right. there you go. Let's continue on. Let's go back a little bit to Anarchy and Arena. And let's hear... Let's play some audio for you. I told you we we're going to do some right. shit. All right. This is Chris Jericho for the scrub, and hear Jim Cornette's reaction oh to it God. after the fact. Here okay. we go. All right. This is about uh, turning off the music and stuff. Okay. So I think when we were talking about it originally, we were kind of like um, harkening back to New Jack when his music would play throughout his matches which kind of took away the fact that there was just basically plunder and just garbage. Which took on. away the fact that With it was music. a garbage match with nothing going on. <laughs> Added some excitement to it. So we thought, okay, so if we can play the music for the first like third of the match, that will kind of sustain it to where people see, like it's just kind of basic. Well, not the thing was basic, but just kind of like, until we get to some of these bigger moments, I think because no one's ever done that here in AW or anywhere oh. since then, it's kind of... Uh, it kind of makes it seem different. It makes it different. And then I thought, well, this is great. And I'll be the, you know, the, the party pooper who hates this song. And well, let's break the soundboard. So let's put a, a soundboard thing up there and we'll break it. 
and that was my favorite part too. Like as soon as we hit the ground, it goes off. And like, I was telling Tony, I was like, I love wrestling. I, I still love Oh my God. It's like this. Yes, it's comic, but it's, it's like the asshole heel just hates music. And it's like, I'm going to smash this. No, we were all screaming, stop that fucking music. You did us a favor. You fucking, I I hope you die. I hope you die. You motherfuckers. You don't love wrestling. You hate wrestling. You shit wrestling's face. What else did he have to say? Uh, Let me uh, go forward a little bit more, but there are his general thoughts on anarchy. I also like the idea that we're supposed to think Jericho's an old curmudgeon who hates music. That's how we were supposed to take that? I don't know what the fuck. He has a band. And again, (laughs) if they did get anybody, any simpleton that would believe their logic bereft, nonsensical fucking wrestling matches, then they'll come out and spoil it for that one knucklehead by telling him it was all fake too. What in the world have we come to here where you go out and legitimately try to hurt yourself and other people and then tell everybody afterwards it was all a fucking bunch of bullshit? All right. Um, I'll let you re- uh, react to that when I try to find the other clip, right? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so Jericho, who is in a band, has been in a band for a long time, says that, oh, I wanted to be the curmudgeon that hates music, even though I wrote the music to my own theme. Like, I wrote my own theme song, and it is one of the anthems of AEW. But, oh, my God, I'm this curmudgeon that hates music. Because that booking makes sense. No, you moron. What it made, what doing that did is made look, it made it look like AEW's production team is incompetent, which they are. That's exactly what it looked like. It made you look like that AEW's production team had no idea what they were. They didn't know how to, that, that some guy who was supposed to get paid to turn off the soundboard didn't turn off the soundboard. Right. And it, the fact that Jericho, none of that makes any sense at all. Continuing to prove the point that Jericho has no idea what the fuck he's doing. Carry on. Right. All right. This is Brian Alvarez in the flesh. Oh, Here you go. God. This is getting Chris Jericho. Okay. Brian Alvarez asking about Jericho's amazing ability to get things over and reinvent himself and his many ideas. <sighs> Brian Alvarez. Yes. Hey, buddy. I'm, a, I'm intrigued at your ability to get things over. <laughs> and uh, I've noticed that, like, Brian Danielson will come up with an idea of something that he wants to get over. Like he saw the yes thing from, uh, right. Yes. And, but it seems to me that you will do something and then you will see that there's an ability to get that over. Like when the belt got stolen, you did the promo in the hot tub and you mentioned the bubbly. I don't think that you at the time, and you can correct me. No, there was no bubbly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't think you had the idea that I'm going to get over this phrase, the bubble. Right. But you saw that it got over and then you went with it. Mm. So how would you – I just kind of want to know the way that your mind works. Would you say that the majority of the things that you get over, the list, the bubbly <laughs> – I mean, you can go throughout your career. Were these things that you – I'm going to get this list over. I'm going to get this bubbly over. Like, is it kind of like a Danielson thing where you have this idea of something you want to get over? Or are most of your ideas – something happens and you just think, man, I That's can deal it. with this. I think one thing – 
All right. Before you get Jericho's answer and Cornette's response with that right there, that right there is the pinnacle of my field. That right there is the top leader of my field. That right there is wrestling media in 2022. It's fucking embarrassing. It shit needs to change. Let's continue on. It's not, Josh. I'm pretty it's good at just reading right. the room. Oh, <laughs> hold on, hold on, stop it in there. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. One of Jericho's top talents, reading the room. My God, I just can't. Do all of the journalists, all six of them that come into this room, do they bring their own baby oil for these hand jobs or are they given a a bottle of baby oil when they come in? (laughs) I will say from watching this last night, it does appear that a lot of people are there as fans who have a place where they write about wrestling as opposed to people who consider this something to be treated seriously. When you begin by saying what your favorite matches were, I like this or that. I'm not exactly sure if that's how it's supposed to go. but It's, it's, It's not a hostile room. No, not at all, and especially not for Chris Jericho. But let's go back to his brilliant answer. Because um, I've had a lot of things like where, like I, I thought, like a, a GFY, that's a good one. And then the same night, Mox came out and literally said, "Go fuck yourself." And I was like, "Well, that one's done." Um, but no one was really getting into it. You're kind of swimming upstream. But for example, like like the wizard, for example, all it was was throwing the fireball. I'm a wizard. And I start seeing people like, okay, they're making gifts of Chris Jericho with a Gandalf, Chris Jericho's face on Gandalf or like all these cartoons or Dragon Ball Z. And it's like, oh, this this is interesting. (laughs) Jericho's face on Gandalf's body. Would anybody have noticed? (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking genius. That was the end of it. <laughs> Outstanding. Wow. Uh, okay, Josh, let me respond here real quick. Um to Jericho's credit, he he is good at getting things over. The I, I, I go back to thinking of the word it. Remember when he, he got the word it over? So to yeah. his credit, he is very good at that. And and we have to give credit where credit is due, you know, with the whole list thing and then like the whole crowd waited him for him to say the word it and they went nuts. So I give, I give Jericho a pass on that one. He was right about that. So here's the thing, Josh, I, I don't understand how Meltzer and Alvarez have risen to the top of your field. How? And, and yet somehow everybody, whenever they say anything, Every wrestling publication treats it as backstage news on what's going to happen in WWE. You know, they're wrong way more than they're right. You, we, you do understand that, right? That they're wrong way more. Than, but all of a sudden, Bleacher Report does it. Sports Kita does it. Uh, Ringside News. Yeah. Uh, all of them. Who are these? Wrestling Inc. does it. All of them who are these. And listen, to be honest... We do this on occasionally. We do this on wrestling rumors as well. You can look it up, and I, you know, it's it's just part of the the business. Sadly, yeah, uh, because it's just you know, at the end of the day, if wrestling rumors doesn't make a profit, why you know we're not gonna we're not going to be able to keep 
we're not going to be able to stay in business, unfortunately. And that's just, uh, that's just, you know, that's business, unfortunately. Yeah. But how they have risen to the top of their field when neither of them have competed at a high, well, Meltzer has never competed. Alvarez has never competed at a high level. So he has no real, they know they don't really have any credibility as journalists. How they have risen to the top of the field, I have absolutely no idea. And if you can explain it to me, Josh, please enlighten me, because I have no idea. Well, it's just, again, like I said before, the echo chamber just doesn't seem to go away. The way the, the questions are asked, like, uh, you see these, like, the guy Will Washington, uh, he's, like, trying to, uh, he talks, and he's trying to say things just to get a pop out of Tony Khan before he gets to the fucking question. Like, what are we doing here? Are we, like, here for a job interview, trying to impress the, the fucking promoter, the booker, giving them a fucking hand job? Like I said about the guy that went to 13 shows or Righteous Reg with his I talk out of both sides of my ass. Hey, that, that, that's what he uh, he's like, oh, I, hey, punk. Hey, it's me. Remember, I'm the one that made you cry uh, at the, the Revolution Scrum. Uh, you remember me? This it's freaking clout chaser ass. Like this, this is so embarrassing. It really is because you got guys like that, like that righteous rag and Will Washington and all, all these other people that say one thing and then say another, and they're all clout chasers. And then you got the other people. Like there's a guy that used to write for the WWE. His name's Dave Schilling. Hey, we we call a spade a spade here. I, I, I'm not afraid to name names because we keep it a hundred with you guys here. Well, it's public consumption. Like you can you can look this stuff up, right? It's all over Twitter. You can see it all for yourself. And I want to give a shout out to a guy named Trevor Dame who was uh, transcribing the press ground and doing live tweets about it because I was following along with this while I was trying to wrap up and uh, finish typing out the stupid ass pay per view and. He's saying it again, like I'm saying, all the glad hatting, all the ass kissing, Tony Khan getting defensive as the press conference goes on and on, kind of kind of taking jabs at Nick Housen for even other even having the audacity to ask him why the fuck you're doing this super long ass pay-per-view to 12:30 midnight Eastern time, trying to make him look bad. Because he's a journalist and he's asking a question. Yeah, and he has a follow-up question, and he's actually doing his job. And then everybody else is doing the fucking hand job and glad-hatting, like Jim Cornette said. I, I thought he said it perfectly. I'm surprised they don't bring baby oil with them. <laughs> Just lather him up. You know, it's so – like, I'm surprised that Brian Alvarez, Dave Meltzer, didn't pick up Tony Khan by his chair and walk him back to his office or whatever after but, the thing was over. Did they only let certain people into the media room, like – like if you look at if you look at football and you know other sporting events, football, basketball, press conferences, the journalists ask the hard questions. They're like, "What happened out there? Like, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do this?" Well, here's the thing: this whole scrum wasn't even supposed to happen. They had this whole thing last week about oh, Tony Khan's implementing a new policy where dirt sites can't stream and record the press scrums. Why they kissed your ass the entire time? Wouldn't you want that press for yourself? Correct. Why, why, why would you put that away? And here's the thing. He went in there all to put a show for himself. He, he did that whole tirade about Bishop that was completely wrong because the numbers say otherwise. Right. 
selling out the United Center is not impressive. This is Chicago. This is the best city for professional wrestling. You can sell Soldier Field. You, you can sell out any. You can put out any show from any promotion, and you can have people in Chicago sell it out. Hell, pardon the pun. Hell and sell at the Rosemount Horizon this Sunday is sold out. I'll be there. It's sold out. I'll be at Forbidden Door. That show is sold out. Selling out Chicago is not a big accomplishment or something that wears a badge of honor. Chicago's a wrestling town. Yeah. And then, I mean, well, Chicago is a Chicago, and, and you know, you live there, Josh, but as from an outsider, they are diehard sports town. Like you've got yeah. two professional baseball teams, you've got a football team, a basketball team. Base, uh, they got a hockey team. Yep. Um, I'm sure there's some minor league sports that happen there too. Yep. I don't, you know, is, is there a U? What is it? Yeah, soccer. Oh, there's a soccer, right? Is there a USFL franchise there? I can't remember. I, I don't think so. We do have the Chicago Sky, the WNBA. Oh, the, you have a WNBA team, oh. right? So Chicago is a sports thirsty town. Yeah. So it's it'd be like saying also like selling out New York was an accomplishment or selling out. You know, L.A. Like those are all sports hungry towns. So I don't. Again, I, I I get that you have to promote your own product, and you've got to you know, <clears throat> fledge the numbers. You know, it's it's part of statistics. Like I understand that for business, but you also got to have a reality check, bro. Yeah, that's the thing. I just don't have respect for people who act like their shit don't stink. Like right. that, you went out on a whole tirade about Eric Bischoff that was wrong just to deflect the stuff from Edge because he wouldn't talk about it like a coward. And he, again, going off about the length of the show, like he, he mentioned it like at a bunch of different times for even for questions that were asked that had nothing to do with the length of the show. He kept bringing that up, he kept bringing it up, he kept bringing it up. And it's like, this is a, a competent. Business guy that I'm supposed to take seriously, uh, a public talking voice, the guy who's the son of one of the most inept NFL owners in the history of the fucking NFL. I have two words for you, Josh, to describe that. Urban Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to know about the Khan family. Yeah. Well, these are, and then we have this fucking audience that tells us that he's the second coming of God when it comes to booking. Get out of here. So that's my thoughts on the scrum, and that's my thoughts on the pay-per-view. Let's, let's get to our next part of the show. Great. One of my favorite parts of the show, the Good Brothers Q&A session. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, start off with Chris Letta, X, he's 24, Letta X. What a boost. We're going to speed through these questions because we have a lot of stuff that yep. we get to yep. before one else on AW. Um Thoughts on the Edge of Pipe Bomb. Uh, brother, you got to hold on. Uh, we'll talk about that. What the hell is wrong with AW? Yep. Uh, <laughs> I know you want to get the questions out of the gate, but I, I can't answer that right now. Um, does Punk and Ace take place before or at Forbidden Door? Uh, I think they already gave the hit that it's going to be at the pay-per-view. You're right. Uh, I, I don't agree with that match. I know a lot of people are like, oh, you don't want to do a champion versus champion match. You don't have to do it. The pay-per-view's already said AEW versus New Japan. You don't have to put your titles on the line. It sells itself. Yeah, if you want to do the whole thing with uh, FTR and 
the great O'Conn and Jeff Comfort uh, IWGP uh, heavyweight tag team titles. You can do that if that's the only title that's on the line. But you don't have to have every match be title for title, title for title. You don't have to do that. The pay-per-view is already sold as AW versus U-Japan. And I'll tell you guys right now, if we had more time and this would be a further length edition of the show, I probably would tell you that I have a lot of concerns about this card. And <laughs> I do. I, I really do. Right. Uh Punk and Tanahashi, I'm glad to see Tanahashi wrestle in person. I, I I respect his history, and he's been one of the best performers in New Japan. He's one of my favorite wrestlers in New Japan. But when we talk about money and box office, how the hell you don't have uh, see a Punk against Okada or Jay White? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, next question. Uh, does FCR capture the IWGP tag team titles at Forbidden Door? Yes. Um, I just don't see right. Uh, they should be going after the AEW tag team titles, but after last night, it looks like the Young Bucks are going to find a way to squeeze their way back into that title picture. So, I, I think FCR will win those titles. Yes. Right. You agree? Yeah. I, I mean, I. I... Why not? They're going to pad their own stats and try to make FTR the greatest tag team in AEW history, which is they're a great team. Don't get me wrong, but you know they're the, they're 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 going to give them every title except their own. Yes. <laughs> uh, your favorite match for Double or Nothing uh, for me was uh, Death Triangle versus the House of Black. Great. Mark Carter can't answer because he was in Disney World right in Space Mountain. Woo! Actually, well. <laughs> Well, <laughs> there the actual Space Mountain was actually closed when we were there, believe it or not. But space, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's move on. Let, let's let's move on. Yes. Okay, yeah, right, thank you. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one here. Um, Woo! Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> longest ride, longest oldest ride, ride longest line. Woo! <laughs> oh man alright answer this one that's your most looking forward to for Hell in a Cell on Sunday oh Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins that's going to be unbelievable and I think this finally is going to be the match that main events the show it has to if Roman Reigns isn't there this has to main this has to main event the show yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I think with Cody being on the poster the pay-per-view yeah he's definitely uh, yeah. on it um uh, for me, I'm looking for that match too, but also throwing uh, Becky, uh, Bianca, and Asuka, triple threat. I think that's, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Uh, all right, last one for Chris. It says, after Joe Gacy, who should Braun Baker's next program be with? Ooh, I'm going to say Cameron Grimes. I think it's time for Cameron Grimes to step up and be the next, be in the main event picture at NXT. I think, I think it's his time. So I've got Cameron Grimes. Well, it should be pretty interesting because Karen Grimes is uh, putting his North American title on the line this weekend against Carmelo Hayes. Ooh. Uh, that should be a good match. I'm curious, man. That NXT roster is uh, has changed a lot uh, from the original day, so it's hard to really pinpoint just one particular person. Um, ah, man, it's hard. <laughs> I really yeah, well, could you see Dolph Ziggler coming back? Because we haven't really seen him in a while. Uh, possibly. If, if if it was me, I would have the glorious Robert Roode return mm. and actually have his turn to go after Brock Breaker. That, that'd be that's great. What I would do. 
That's yeah. the answer, Chris. I'll go with Robert Rude. I like it. Glorious. Yes. <laughs> One of the great theme songs of NXT. It was great. Yes. Well, a- anything is better than Sami Zayn's song. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Um, next. By, by, by the way, Josh, when 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 Chris was saying "oos," did he get that line from Sami Zayn? Oh uh, yes, I do. <laughs> that was so funny. We'll get to that, but that was so funny. Yes. Um, all right. Last pass of questions. We comes from uh, the good brother Nathan Great. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Psycho Nagiri. A good brother, good brothers. Um, here we go. <laughs> is it a problem that AEW's tag team champs are the least interesting team in the company? Uh, well, it just depends on how you look at it. I look at it as uh, uh, the Jurassic Express is an indictment on the notion and narrative that AEW has the best tag team division in professional wrestling. Uh, I'll take the smoke for that. You can agree or disagree with me. I'm fine with that. But this is my opinion. Them being the tag champions really does not make them the best tag division in professional wrestling. Nope. If anything, I think Impact has a better tag division <laughs> than AEW. Interesting. Okay. And New Japan, too. We can add that to the mix. Go ahead, Brian. Uh, well, I mean, well, New Japan is <laughs> – Tony Khan's probably going to try to buy that promotion, too, at some oh. point, you know, and, and run New Japan, but – that would be that would be a sad day if that happens. Well, right, yeah. I mean, Jung. Well, Jungle Boy just needs to be a single star. I really think it's time for him to break away from this Lucha Express thing because Luchasaurus is useless. Christian Cage has done nothing since he's been there. So, right. I, you're right, Josh. This is an indictment on AEW's booking, but somehow Tony Khan is Booker of the Year, which I figure that one out. By the way, don't you find odd that with Christian uh, is like acting like a heel after these matches, like keeping people away from each other, and the, don't you get like a heel vibe from him? Like, I, he, like wasting space. Hey, I, the biggest sighting in twenty years. <laughs> my God, I never let that down. That was a oh my God, what an ass hat! What an ass hat! Come out of Tony Khan's mouth. <laughs> no. Um, Next question. Yes, next question. <laughs> Which pay-per-view schedule among all companies do you like the best? Brokar, I'll start with you. Um, I, again, I really only follow WWE and AEW, so I can't really comment on Impact and New Japan and stuff. I, I, I like WWE just because there's more consistency in their storytelling and, and getting to the major pinpoints. Um, but I can see how that could be a little bit overwhelming, having to watch a premium live event every month. So um, I will say WWE just because of how consistent their storytelling is. But I can see how it could be a little bit overwhelming, and it doesn't give you a lot of time to build feuds. So that would be the only indictment I would say on them. But I'll say WWE. Um, i say for me it's probably Impact uh, has the best pay-per-view schedule in my opinion. Yeah, they have their side shows that they do on Fight TV here and there. Uh, but mm-hmm. I get, I think you get more bang for your buck on the Impact pay-per-views than you do on AEW. Um, I, I just like I've grew accustomed to WWE's pay-per-view schedule, so really, really not a big issue to me. Like it is what it is. Um, but for me specifically, I enjoy Impact's uh, pay-per-view schedule more than anybody. Um, yeah. The thing about WWE too, Josh, is if you miss one of the non-big five, it's fine. Right. You you can get caught up, but like 
Royal Rumble and WrestleMania and SummerSlam, they have a different vibe and Money in the Bank and, and they have a different vibe than than the other pay-per-views throughout the year. So if you miss a, a smaller pay-per-view, it's not the end of the world. So you can think of it that way too. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you with that, bro, Carter. Um, oh, here's the interesting one. Um, do you approach all transcripts the same? Weak cards, like in your house or held to sell, are, are those cards that you're looking forward to? Um, I... I, I'm sorry, Nate. I got to disagree with you. I don't think that in your house or hell to sell are weak cards. Is it a card that's on a level or summer slam or anything like that? No, but it doesn't have to either. Um, you know, we'll, we're gonna, we're going to make predictions in a couple of seconds here uh, for uh, those two shows. Um, but for me, for a card, I I don't think the cards are weak. Uh, I don't know. Um, to your yeah. other question. Uh, do I approach all transcripts the same? Uh, yes. Uh, I put the same amount of effort at, into a Dynamite show as I would a NWA USA show or NWA Power. Um, I leave no stone unturned when it comes to the transcripts. I really make sure that I pay respect to the performers and everybody in the ring. I don't care if it's a one-hour show or a three-hour show. Like Going back to your other question about the pay-per-view schedules, I don't really count NJW having a pay-per-view schedule. They had like 10 pole events like Dominion and Wrestle Kingdom, but all the shows for Carter are like three hours long. So it usually feels like a pay-per-view with, <laughs> with all the shows that I cover from them. Um, but for me, um, I I approached them all the same because I had to. Uh, I just feel like I'd be doing the service to everybody that reads the transcripts if I just half-assed one show from another. Um, I don't put any agendas. I don't put my booking takes. I don't give star ratings. I just tell you what happens on the show, clear right. cut and dry. And uh, that's what I do. That's cool. I love it. And yeah. you do great work. Follow Josh, prowrestlingtranscriptions.com. Book it. I appreciate you, brother. Um, last question for the Q&A this week. Which current U.S. tower reign are you enjoying more? Which, you what, what, was the, what was the question? Say that again. Uh, he said, which current U.S. title reign are you, you, you enjoying more? I guess he's implying the talk about New Japan as well. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this, Nate. I got to go with Austin Theory. <laughs> hmm. Right now, the current IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Champion, I can't believe I'm saying this, is rock hard juice robinson can you tell me can anybody tell me a more cornier moniker in professor wrestling today than rock hard juice robinson i know the wizards out there but what the fuck is rock hard juice I, I guess you gotta be rock hard if you're gonna handle tony storm's waterfall but like jesus christ hey. Hey, but hey, props to Juice Robinson for for Tony Storm. I mean, lucky man because Tony Storm yes, has some yes. excellent waterfall. And, and shout out to Juice. I enjoy him as a performer and wrestler. He's a Chicago guy, but I, bro, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Juice. I'm sorry, bro, but that, that rock hard name is fucking corny. Did, didn't he just join Bullet Club? Yeah, he's in Bullet Club now. Yeah, okay, great. Rock hard Juice. <laughs> I, I I can't. I, Nate, I can't, I can't say Juice Robinson because he just won the title two weeks ago. I, I got to go Austin Theory because he actually gets heat for the audience and he's good at his job. So. Well, I mean, Austin Theory is being groomed to be the next 
major star. No doubt about it. I want to thank Chris today for some great questions this week. Thank you guys. As always. Yep. As always. Um, all right. For the card. This week in WWE. Yes, time to get to it. Uh, we're going to start off really quick from Raw and SmackDown. I'm going to actually lead the charge there because we got predictions that we got to do as well. So go ahead, Mark. And, and we'll be real quick about this um, because I want to get to our predictions and we still have to talk about the other major event. So this is mostly an AEW show this week. Fine. Um, so just really quickly, um, I didn't get a chance to watch Raw this week. I did get a chance to watch SmackDown and I enjoyed SmackDown this week. Great show. Um, the The only really major takeaways I have from that are I'm intrigued by Nakamura and Riddle. I think that could be a fun team. Um, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are gold. Oh, my gosh. That was out-freaking-standing. I was laughing my ass off the whole time. That was really, really terrific. Um, Like when Sami Zayn said, oos, (laughs) I thought that was great. (laughs) Uh, My only uh, thing, Josh, and I want to get your thoughts on this from SmackDown this week, and then I'll let you talk about Raw. Um, I'm concerned about the SmackDown women's division. I think that they, they, there's a problem with how they're booking it. Um, and just the level between Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, and everybody else. You know, on Raw, you've got Bianca Belair, Asuka, Becky Lynch, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley. Uh, you know, you've got some major talent over there. <clears throat> On SmackDown, and I'm not saying that the women on SmackDown aren't talented. Don't get me wrong, but it's clearly that Ronda and and Charlotte have established themselves. They're pushing Raquel Rodriguez. Fine, I like Raquel Rodriguez, but it seems like there there isn't really a lot for everybody else to do. You know, they're trying to figure out what to do with Shotzi and with um, Aaliyah. I still think they need to throw Shayna Baszler in there. I don't know what's taking WWE so long to get Shayna Baszler into the SmackDown women's oh. title picture. I can't figure that one out. And, you know, we're going to criticize AEW for their booking. I'm criticizing WWE for their booking on this one, too. When is Shayna Baszler going to get her shot? So that's kind of my – that's my really only concern with SmackDown right now is their women's division. I don't think they're doing it well. But overall, I thought the rest of the show was great. Well, it, it would help if a malcontent who didn't think she's the Shawn Michaels of women's wrestling would actually show to work. Well, uh, so, yeah, I'm just calling a spade a spade. Right. But it is. Um, I think it's probably looking more than probably until Charlotte comes back. And I think a draft's coming up soon. I heard something about that, yep. right? Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember when it is, but I think it's coming up soon. Yeah, hold on. I'll look yeah, it up. I think a draft is coming up soon. So maybe they'll reshuffle, do different views and stuff like that. So I maybe this is like the last holding pattern, if you will, for this, uh, this run for the draft. Um, but yeah, I think they probably want to do some like multi person people feuds, uh, for Ronda Rousey until Charlotte comes back. Plus, you got to remember, Money in the Bank is uh, the next pay per view as well. So, well, I, I mean, and, and essentially, we're getting to the point where the brand split is basically over. So, yeah, about- what you've been saying has needed to happen for years. Yeah, I've been, yeah, yes, I have. Um, even though everybody tells me I say nothing negative about WWE. Um, hey, all right. You and I just did it, Josh. We just said negative things about WWE. There you go. Yes. Uh, really quick, from my thoughts with SmackDown, I agree with you. Kevin Owens and Sam Cena are national treasures. Also, really, really enjoyed the main event. Drew McIntyre and New Day against Raleigh Brutes. I, I thought that was a fantastic match. And Pat McAfee is still tripping. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> oh, he's unbelievable. Oh, by the way, um, Josh, congratulations to Michael Cole. 25 years with WWE. That's awesome. Congratulations yes. to Michael Cole. That's great. 
the Stooge of the Clown Cole has done a wonderful <laughs> job in his career, man. He, a, a legend. Yep. Yes. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, Raw really quick. Go ahead. I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to add the Cody and Seth Rollins segment, uh, the talkie portion in the audio. You know, usually I have different clips and stuff. Right. Different usually I would have played it for us here. Mm-hmm. But you know what? We're doing this live. I'll tell you guys, you'll hear the talkie portion of Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes at the end of the podcast this week. Great. This little gift for me and broadcast to you guys. All right. Awesome. So here's the deal. Um, uh, Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes, I think, may have the best segment on Raw this year, uh, and it's it's not close. Uh, everything Seth said, you know, about Cody leaving because he wasn't good enough, and then him and his little friends every day try to tear down on what Seth Rollins was doing. I thought it was a great line. Also, the line about. You can't take a sledgehammer to the throne and then come back and try to take the throne from me. I thought that was fantastic. They get to a brouhaha brawl at ringside. The crowd in Des Moines, Iowa is saying, this is awesome. It was awesome. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Also, I recommend you guys go check out uh, Bianca Belair and Asuka. I thought it was a good match. Also, AJ Styles and Lynn Morgan beating Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest. I thought it was a good match. Kind of gives you a hint that Judgment Day We'll take the W on Sunday. We'll get to that in a couple of seconds. But overall, I thought Raw is pretty strong this week uh, going towards Hell in Cell. So both Great. good shows for Raw and SmackDown this week. Awesome. Well, Josh, let's transition. Uh, do you want to talk about NXT? Uh, let's do our predictions for Hell in the Cell. And then if you want to talk about NXT and NXT UK, um, yeah. and any other thing you want to do before we get to our main event segment. Yes. Our main event segment. But let's transition. Uh, let's talk about our predictions. No, for the 2022 Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, should be a good show. I still believe that um, Hell in a Cell should should not be its own pay-per-view. I think it should be a gimmick match. But that's just me. I've been saying that for a long time. Um, we're going to go in reverse order that the card is listed on WWE.com. And we're recording this on Thursday, June 2nd. So this is the card as of Thursday, June 2nd. Now we're going to start with United States champion, Theory defending his title against Mustafa Ali. Um, I've got Theory winning here. Uh, uh, Mustafa Ali has had a fun little run here. I think it's coming to an end pretty soon. Um, and he'll probably get his release pretty soon. So I've got Theory uh, defeating Mustafa Ali. Yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty good match. Uh, this is going to be a good thing for Ali because uh, Ali's from Chicago, so he should get a good reaction. So I think this match will get some time, but... Yeah, I think some way, somehow, somebody costs Ali in the match, and I think Theory uh, will retain. Very good. Uh, next up, we have Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Liv Morgan taking on The Judgment Day, Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley. Josh, who do you have? Next person trios match. I'm sure the referee will be respected, unlike other companies. Um, <laughs> uh, I got The Judgment Day winning gear. Yep. So I would not be surprised if AJ Styles and Finn Balor wins. I don't know. I just feel like either a new member's going to show up and cost AJ Styles or uh, just a regular regular clean pin. But I got uh, Judgment Day. I also have the Judgment Day as well. Um, I could either see AJ or Finn turning and joining Judgment Day um, or somebody new debuting like a Ciampa or Baron Corbin or something like that um, debuting with Judgment Day. But yeah, I have Judgment Day winning as well. T-Bar. Oh, God. Actually, it'd be nice to see Dominic Dijakovic do something useful because he is talented. Yes, um, I agree. 
yeah, so that would be good. Okay, next. <laughs> next up, one of my favorite feuds in all of WWE right now. Ezekiel versus Kevin Owens. Oh. <laughs> and Kevin Owens has made this thing so freaking funny. It's unbelievable. Kevin Owens needs a raise. I'm sorry. Kevin Owens needs a huge pay bump. He just did, though. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he him so very well right now. Yeah, just... pay him some more because he is worth every penny. Um, I've got Ezekiel getting the win here. Uh, no need to 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 have Kevin Owens get the win, and you can keep this going if they want to do something with Sami Zayn or whatever. Fine, but I have yes. Ezekiel getting the win here. Uh, he's been great too, by the way, uh, in this. So I have Ezekiel getting the win. Yeah, I have Ezekiel winning. Here's the here's my Joshi uh, for creative pitch here. Kevin Owens starts getting momentum before he does a stunner. You hear the guitar string on a Titan Tron. <laughs> yes, yes. Ezekiel comes in inside cradle. That's great. Yes, I like it. I like it. <laughs> I told you it was a lie. <laughs> What's next? Next up. Okay. Um, Bobby Lashley versus Omos and MVP in a handicap match. I don't know if they're doing this inside of the cell. I don't oh, it's think it's a regular so. handicap match. Yeah, regular handicap match. So um, who do you have in this one, Josh? Uh, I got I got Lashley here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got Lashley too. I think it's time for them to end this and move on to something else. Um, but I've got Lash- Lashley winning as well. All right. Raw Women's Championship Triple Threat Match. Bianca Belair versus Asuka versus Becky Lynch. I've got uh, Bianca Belair retaining here. I don't think there's a reason to take the title off of her just yet. There can be some shenanigans in this, which could lead into another match, uh, either at Money in the Bank or maybe at SummerSlam. But I've got uh, I've got Bianca Belair retaining the Raw Women's Championship. Who do you have? Um, I got Be- uh, Bianca Belair winning. I don't know. If, I don't know if she's gonna do a clean finish, but I could see her doing like a roll up type of thing, like some Jack. I think about Becky or Oscar, but this could be an awesome match. Uh, these ladies, they could steal the show on Sunday. I, I do have Bianca retain, but it should be a fantastic match. By the way, Oscar is outstanding when she's doing the whole Becky baby thing. Yeah, uh, it's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And then we get Josh to the main event, the match that. Um, from the superstar that I have looked that I look forward most to seeing on Raw every single week, Cody Rhodes against Seth Rollins inside of the hell, inside of Hell in the Cell. Who do you have, my friend? I have Cody Rhodes winning. Um, now here's the thing: I would not be surprised if Seth Rollins wins, and I wouldn't have had a problem with it either. Too, I just want right. to throw that out as well. Um, this view has been so good for me that I get to the point where I just want to enjoy the match, and I really don't care who wins or loses for the Carter. Right. Uh, but also, I, I, but here's the thing. Um, I, I mentioned this last week while you were uh, via satellite in uh, Disney World. I said here with the story with Cody and Sons that as the more stuff loses to Cody, like he said on the show, you, you're, you're not going to get to rise to the top of the my kingdom, pal. <laughs> like he, He's still helping to make sure that Cody doesn't become the champion. I think they'll fight each other in the men's money in the bank ladder match. I, I will see that happen. Yeah, I, I can already hear the complaints right now. Oh, you just had a hell in the cell match. Why are you going to put them in the money in the bank match together? Like, you can hear those complaints right now. You just hear the spoiler right there from wrestling Twitter. So, so, so you're, telling me, you're telling me you don't want to see two great wrestlers wrestle each other again. 
Right. And you're going to tell me that Cody and Seth don't belong in the men's fight in the big ladder match because they just had a hell of a sub match? Right. Tell, tell me where that doesn't make sense. <sighs> like Ed just said yesterday, you guys don't know shit. Um, anyways, like I said last week, um, Seth's going to get drive himself to a crazy point where he has to be drafted to SmackDown. That's my thing here. He keeps losing, missed out on his opportunity, goes to SmackDown. He still gets a chance to get some retribution on the Tribal Chief. Who knows if he's the one that takes a title off of him. So just keep your eye out there for that. So I got Cody Rhodes. Interesting. I have Seth Rollins winning this because <clears throat> I could. the way I see this playing out is Seth Rollins gets the win here. Cody wins money in the bank. Eventually cashes in, either takes both titles or takes the WWE title. And then you can get Rollins versus Rhodes one more time for the WWE championship, which I think would be a fantastic match. So I've got Seth Rollins winning this with, with uh, uh, Cody Rhodes eventually winning money in the bank uh, coming forward. So, And those are our predictions for Hell in the Cell. Uh, enjoy the show, everybody. I think it's going to be a terrific show, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Josh, back to you. All right. Uh, NXT. In Your House coming up on Saturday. NXT In Your House is a takeover show. Uh, here's the card for the event, and I'll make my predictions. I'm not going to go in-depth with this uh, with one. Uh, here you go. Uh, Starting off, Cameron Grimes, Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Both American Championship. I have Carmelo Hayes winning here. I think Carmelo Hayes will win and get his program started with uh, Solo Sokoa, so I'm going to go with that. So I think that's going to be a pretty good match. You guys should check that out. Uh, pretty Deadly against the Creed Brothers for the NXT Tag Team titles. I got uh, Pretty Deadly re- uh, retaining. Uh, they are a very entertaining tag team and a team you should be looking out for in the future. Uh, Pretty Deadly are fucking phenomenal. I enjoy those guys work a lot, uh, so that should be a good match. I, I think it also adds uh, some uh, more with the Diamond Mine and stuff like that, so that should be a good match to check out. Um, I have Mandy Rose retaining her NXT Women's title over Wendy Chu. Like the gimmick for Wendy Chu, I just don't see her uh, becoming the NXT Women's Champion as of yet. Um, Toxic Attraction, uh, beautiful JC Jane and Gigi Dola against Katana Chase, formerly known as Casey Catanzaro, and Katie Carter for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. Hey, here's some ladies uh, fighting out, you know, letting their work speak out instead of walking out. Um, <laughs> they're getting their stuff for the Women's Tag Team titles. So we got... You know what, guys? I I got Katana and Kaden and Kaden winning here. I really do. Um, I I I I think this is my upset pick of the pay per view. I have Katana and Kaden uh, beating Toxic Attraction for those women's tag team titles. All right, uh, Legato del Fantasma against Tony D'Angelo, uh, Channing Lorenzo, and Troy Donovan, the Mafia Crew, in the six man tag team match. How's the Gabagool? How's the Gabagool? How's your family? Um, <laughs> uh, basically, Burkhardt in this match, in this trios match, whoever loses has to work for the other guy. Oh. So, if the actual team loses, he has to fight, uh, he has to work for Santos Escobar and vice versa. So, gang warfare, Jones, this should be very interesting, probably better than Anarchy in the Arena. Um, uh, <laughs> and then my finger is better than Anarchy in the Arena, but go ahead. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Rob Breaker, uh, I have him retained against Joe Gacy, and I think this week comes to end. So, um, yeah, 
yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it in your house. I think it should be a pretty good card here coming up on Saturday, so it should be a good time. So check it out on the Peacock. Also, Ooh. really quick for XC UK today, we have Von Wagner against Sam Bradwell. Uh, we have uh, the beautiful Stevie Turner against Angel Hayes. And then the main event this week is a triple threat tag match. Mustache Mountain of Tyler Bate and Trent Seven against D Familia and Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter, Jonathan Hood's favorite tag team. Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter. NCK, uh, a lot of fun there. And that right there, my friends, is what happened this week in WWE. Wonderful. All righty, Josh, it is time to transition to our main event segment. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about this week. So much to talk about in this week. So it is time for the flagship segment of the Hoots podcast. It is what the hell is wrong with AEW. And we're going to get it started in a three, two, one. Beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat, beat your meat, beat, beat your meat. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Are you the sound guy for AEW, Josh? (laughs) (laughs) We keep it real here on the Hoots Podcast. But Josh, what the hell is wrong? With AEW. Here's my thoughts, Josh. Do we want to talk about the MJF stuff first, or do we want to go through our show and then talk about the MJ stuff? What is your preference? Uh, let's go with the, the nonsense first, and then we get Correct. to the stuff. All right. Very good. So there's a couple things I did like, as per usual, Josh. Uh, the couple things I liked about the show. Um, I thought that the opening show, that the opening match was fine. I know you thought it was a little bit sloppy. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, I, I like bringing Punk out to start the the show. Clearly, he's very much over. That's great. Uh, yeah. Looks like we're getting Punk versus Tanahashi, which I know how you have your feelings on that. Fine. Um, and, and then I, th- I also enjoyed the women's tag match. Uh, I actually thought that that was a good match uh, with yeah. Britt Baker and uh, Jamie Hayter against Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. But that's all I really liked on Dynamite this week. Was there anything besides the obvious, which we'll get to in a little bit? Was there anything that you liked, uh, Josh, this week on Dynamite? Um, yes. Um, anytime I see, uh, Jay Cargill on my screen, it's oh, a good yes. thing. Uh, yes. Um, what else here? Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the women's, uh, tag match, like you said, with, um, Britt Baker, Jimmy Hader, Tony Stover, and Ruby Soho. I thought it was a good match. Um, um, wasn't too crazy about the Wardlow match. It was what it was. Kind of similar thing. You would think that Wardlow coming off a big victory, they have like a new program set up for him, but no, <laughs> no. Um, as far as the, the the trios match that started off the show, what I liked about it was Max Caster's rap. Um, <laughs> that was the only part of it that I liked. Um, it just was what it was, you know. Like I, I, I'm sorry, I can't suspend my disbelief that. FTR is going to struggle against the gun club 
in the ring and that this match needed to be 18 minutes it just a complete waste of time. Um, Tanahashi against CM Punk, like I said, it'll be a good match, and I, I understand why they're doing it, but for me, you have AEW versus New Japan. You don't know how many times this is going to happen. Right. You need to strike when the iron's hot. And there's, from a box office point of view, and try, you're trying to sell people to be interested in buying this pay-per-view in the first place because not a lot of people watch New Japan. Not a lot of people care about hardcore wrestling. They don't. Right. How how you gonna sell um, to casual fans this pay per view if you're just gonna have Tanahashi just come out there and stare? It's not Okada who has all this hype and hoopla around him. Nothing there. Kota Bushi, um, a lot of people talking about him, or right. And if you're not gonna give out good matches, like I'm gonna tell you right now, and I told this to uh, referee Tony the other day. I was, uh, uh, we had a little Skype sketch, uh, session the other day, just uh, shooting the shit and talking to him. So Great, cool. Shout out to referee Tony. Uh, follow him at referee Tony S on Twitter. Yeah, make sure to follow the Heat Pod. I think you'll hear oh, your truth yes. very soon. Yes. yes. And Brother Carter as well. He's going to be on there as well. But here's the thing. We're talking about the Forbidden Door card. And I told him, brace yourself because you're going to get Jericho Society against LIJ. And that's going to make me pull my hair out. Um, instead of having Brian Danson against a guy like Shingo Takaki or Zack Sabre Jr., you're probably going to bury him in the tag match. Just because you gotta have the Blackpool Comic Club, yeah. Blackpool, how about this? Blackpool Comic Club against the House of Torture. How can uh, this card is gonna be? How can uh, Tony Khan make sure that Josh pulls his fucking eyes out of his socket? That 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 well, that's how. <laughs> how are the new? Ex- how are the new Japan executives signing off on this? That's what I want to know. Like. How they're benefiting from this? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because this looks like a total AW prop up uh, campaign. It's not about New Japan, of course not. Bunch of nonsense. So yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Um, okay. I thought it was funny that they were trying to make William Regal say blood and guts like war oh, game. That, we're, we're, we're gonna get to that here. <laughs> we'll get to that here in just a minute. That that was pretty much it for the stuff that I did. Okay, let's get to the crap, Josh. And I want to continue on uh, with what you were saying about this the CM Punk, this whole opening match. So here's what I wrote down. I said, Max Caster was kind of funny. That rap was kind of funny. I, I, again, give credit where credit is due. The gun club needs to go the fuck home and stay the fuck home. Correct. I, I, they're awful. And then you have this Punk versus Billy Gunn interaction. Like, oh, and, then, and then like... Punk tries to do – he looks like he's going to try to slam one of the gun club members into Billy Gunn, botches it completely, and then Gunn all of a sudden just randomly falls off the apron. <laughs> like, Yeah, he powerbombed him into the knees. <laughs> and the guy was like, oh, I'm supposed – like three a second later, he's like, oh, shit, I'm supposed to sell here. Like, um, Okay, here's the other thing. The crowd is cheering for the acclaimed because they're oh, over. Right. But booing the gun club. So how does this pairing make sense? Well, I, I right now the claim in their face where I don't know if they're transitioning into baby faces, but they have the comedic um, feel to them, and they that's their comedic feel to like they cheer for the acclaim. Everybody loves the acclaim, right? And they go that's well, that's their tag. I'm not saying everybody loves the acclaim, right. but they're sticking to that. They everybody likes them. Nobody likes the gun club, and they chant "ass boys, ass boys." So that's just part of their like stick, I guess. So 
fine. Whatever. Josh, everything is okay. Yes. Everything is okay. Because Miro is back. <laughs> what a problem <laughs> return that was last night. Oh, my God. And so he goes out and squashes. So Rusev squashes John Morrison. But, oh, my God, we're not focusing on ex-WWE talent. Oh, my God. What a ridiculous. And so- I saw somebody on Twitter be like, no, I saw Buff Bagwell tweet this yesterday. So after they do the MGF promo, right, they do – Basically, a WWE guy against WWE. Oh, I, I saw this, yeah. You saw this tweet, right? He's like, Tony Khan booked this to perfection. No, he didn't. One more, he has no other options. Half of, 80% of his roster is ex-WWE talent. What other choice did he have? Yeah, and you can tell me that Johnny Elise is going to do an open challenge and it's not a WWE guy? Right. Who else is on their fucking roster but WWE guys? I'm starting to forget who the original people are. Or, or, or a date. Or a debut, like everyone thought, oh, maybe Johnny Gargano or something, but whatever. Oh, God. Okay. So, as if they don't have enough generic wrestlers on their roster. Go ahead. Okay. So, this was awful. But not as awful as the next segment, which was the Jericho Appreciation Society. Oh, God. I said this many times, Josh. I now get why WWE got rid of Jericho, Hager, 2.0. They're awful. They suck. And I don't get what the hype around Daniel Garcia is. Why is there hype around Daniel Garcia? He's terrible. But everyone's like, oh, Daniel Garcia is this great wrestler. I don't see it. Am I missing something? If I'm wrong, please tell me. But I I don't get the hype behind Daniel Garcia at all. But But anyways, so... The uh, the JAS, I'm calling them now the Jerk-Off Asshole Society, comes out. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, so they come out, and then they all need to shut up, and it's uh, AEW Galaxy. Appreciate <laughs> us. Oh, God. I, but, but, but we're not mocking WWE. We're our own identity. That was a, literally a ripoff of Roman Reigns. Yep. But uh, this was awful. Jericho cannot cut a promo anymore. And then William Regal comes out and tries to do the blood and guts to do the war games thing. And it was stupid. Everything in this segment was designed to mock WWE and it fell flat on its face because it was stupid. Yeah. Th- and that's why I can't take this faction seriously. You really believe Jericho cares about sports entertainment because he's still holding over the stupid grudge that, oh, the Undertaker main evented Mania over me? Yeah, Undertaker would main event WrestleMania over you. Correct. Because he's like, an ego complex. Yeah. Well, again, just watch Jericho's work now. That's all you need to say about why Taker main evented Mania. Um, okay. And then, Josh, we get a 10 man tag team match. By the way, my favorite match. Yeah. Anyway, who is that guy that was with the Undisputed Elite? Um, like Heike or something? Oh, Hikaleo. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, that's that's the younger brother of the uh, Gorillas of Destiny, uh, Tamataga and Tagaloa from New Japan. Uh, that's their younger brother. Uh, he's a pretty good big man for his size, but yeah, this is an odd pairing. And Did you by see the way, that? by the way, they're doing the undisputed elite, and oh, Adam Cole's having a favor for Jay White. 
You can't trust Jay White with anybody. He would stab your grandmother behind your back. <laughs> this is why I say Bull Club's the most disorganized faction in all of wrestling. They got three different subgroups. You got the Young Bucks and uh, the Red Dragon bullshit. You got the House of Torture crap. And then you got Jay White's crew of Bullet Club members. It's all over the place, Ricard. And then before you know it, the almighty hero comes back. Kenny Olivier returns to the United Center. Uh, hey, get ready. You're going to hear Doc Cows pretty soon. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> who's, okay, so Josh, who's Omega facing it? Is it going to be Jay White? No, he's going to fight Ishii. Oh, great. Lovely. Yeah, Are they going to have that match? It's going to do the job to Omega. Are they going to make that match go 50 minutes? Uh, probably 25. Oh, God. Okay. So, anyways, 10-match tag match all over the place. This here, the Hiroki guy or whatever his name is, he almost – did you see him get dumped on his head? Yeah. <laughs> like, jeez. Are you trying to end this guy's career? Okay. So, then we, we, get, we get to that. Then Jade Cargill comes out. Fantastic. I love seeing Jade Cargill. I don't know why this new guy's with him now. I don't even remember his name. Stokey Hathaway or whatever his name is. Okay. Yeah, whatever. I don't care. Was this what he was known as before he became Malcolm Bivens? Yes. Okay, fine. So Stokely Hathaway comes out, whatever. I, to be fair, he's a better mouthpiece than Smart Mark Sterling. Like, that, that pairing actually makes sense. But yeah. why does Jade Cargill need a mouthpiece? She don't. No. But is is it because – like? I guess the only way I can see it is because they're trying to say that Jade Cargill needs an agent because she's big time box office or whatever. Yeah, she's so like that, a star, like a basketball athlete. Yeah. If yeah. that's the angle, fine. But they need to, but they need to play that up more. Like I, I don't understand why Hathaway is there. But if again, if that's going to be the angle, I actually don't have a problem with that. That's that's fine. Tony, um, cut the shit. <laughs> and here's Athena. Who's going to jump to the head of the line ahead of everybody else because she's Tony Khan's flavor of the month. And then once Jade Cargill beats her and is 33-0 and 0 or whatever, then she's going to get relegated to dark elevation and is going to be a useless postule in AEW. But hey, she's going to get paid. Burkhardt, does anybody in the world believe that Athena is going to beat Jade Cargill or Breaker Streak? No. There's, th- Josh, there is one person I could see beating Jade Cardgill. Cool. That is the current AEW Women's Champion. Is the only person I could possibly see. Who, by the way, wasn't on the show this week. One of your best performers and your AEW Women's Champion is not on the show. Well, by the way, you notice that the women are placed in the same segment that they're in every week. Right before right. the main event. Yep. <laughs> And it happened again this week. So, um, okay, we get the squash match with Wardlow. AEW has no idea what to do with Wardlow because now Smart Mark Sterling is serving him papers for some reason. Ugh. Oh, God, that's going to be a disaster. I mentioned this before. Ruby Soho has become obsolete. Obsolete. On AEW, she's a mess. Uh, okay. And then we get to the main event. Oh, God. Gian Moxley versus Daniel. Is Moxley capable of not bleeding in any match he's in? 
No, he's not. Like you told me last night, he's not. It's it's it, it's impossible for him to not have a match for the entire match layouts, either him bleeding or them brawling on the floor. He just it's ridiculous. He wants to be a CZW champion so bad, it's unbelievable. And he wants to get paid like a WWE guy. And oh. Tony Khan will let him do it because it's book yourself however you want, pal. What was the rationale again for this match? Because it was the main event of the first dance that I went to. I don't know. Because- yeah, it was it was the Rampage main event where the night CM Punk made his AEW debut. It was John Moxley against Danny Garcia in the main event in a five-minute match. So that's the rationale. Oh, we're in the forum. You know what everybody wants in the main event instead of the whole town? Like, I can't believe I'm saying this. But this is how ridiculous Tony Khan is when it comes to formatting his show. I would rather have the 10-man macho tag match with the hometown guys, the Young Bucks and the Jungle Express, are in their hometown in the main event in the forum than this nonsense. Honestly, you've seen 10-man tags um, at the end of WWE shows where they where there's a big hometown thing, like they're doing a specialty match. So, honestly, Josh, I agree with you. This would have been a great place to have. And you have the Young Bucks come out last, last, right? And say, from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Yay! Fine. No problem with that, honestly. But this was awful. Um, Moxley is never going to amount to anything useful because he just wants to bleed and do garbage match bullshit and end his career soon. So this was awful. I hated it. And honestly, Josh, a lot of people said this was a great episode of Dynamite. Find me where the greatness was. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out too myself. (laughs) So, And that, Josh, is what the hell is wrong with AEW. Oh, go ahead. No, that's not it because we forgot the most important part. Of dynamite. Well, we didn't forget about it. I just feel like we need. Oh, you want me to play the jingle first? Okay. Yeah, because this was actually a good part of dynamite. So we're going to play the jingle first. Hang on just a minute here. This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. You're a wizard, Josh. By the way, one other thing uh, that I mentioned that I like about the show this week, Josh, shout out to Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston cuts fabulous promos every single week. So it's a shame he's getting wasted with Jericho. But I, I know it's his real nature. I, I, I'm a big fan. <coughs> I think sometimes he tries too much to lead into that New York insecurity. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Like, like I, we get it, bro. We get it, bro. I actually, would, I actually would be okay with him being the next challenger for CM Punk. Honestly, I think that could be a great feud. CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. I know it's two faces, but I well, think that could be cool. Yeah, well, could they do it properly instead of having one blow-off match in full gear and doing nothing with it next? Of course, <laughs> of course they can. Josh, this is Booker of the Year, pal. You know what it is. Okay, let's get into it. Um, obviously, the big story of the weekend was the whole MJF saga. Um, there was reports that he didn't show a fan fest event, which I initially thought, okay, he's just playing off his character because that's the type of thing his character would do. Fine. Yep. And then we see reports that he had a flight booked home and may no show the event, which I don't, I, I take that with a grain of salt, whether there's actually truth to that reporting or not. 
Um, and then we get into the promo, of course. So, but Josh, I want to start with you because I'm sure we're going to get some audio uh, from all of this. So, take us through your thoughts about the MJF promo um, and everything with this whole MJF saga that we've seen over the last uh, few days. Well, I had to do a double take while watching this live uh, yesterday because I thought it was myself in the forum cutting this promo. Right. For him. I could have, if it was me cutting the promo, I would have said a lot of different things <laughs> than it was addressed. But everything he said in that was true. Yep. And all these people on Twitter and doing these spaces and podcasts are getting in a tussle about whether it's a shoot or work. I see. I don't give a shit what it is. Right. I I don't think it's a, a shoot. Uh, yeah, it could probably lead more to work. I see. I don't care. But tell me. Did he lie? Was there anything he said wrong nope. in that promo last night? <laughs> no. To the point right before his microphone got cut off. Fire me, you fucking Mark. And that was the best line in the entire bit of what he said last night. I do have some audio. We'll play a little bit of it right now, actually. Okay. Do you, do you um, happen to have that, Josh? Because I have that clip pulled up if we want to hear that. Oh, you want to? Go ahead. Yeah, let's hear that clip. Let's see if we can hear this. Fire me. Tony, don't tell me down, you piece of shit. Shut your mouth. Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark. Fire me. Fire me. Perfect. You can leave it at that. Awesome. I have I had the full transcript of the promo on the Dynamite article I did last night, if you guys want to see it for yourself, it's on ProWrestlingTransfusion.com. Um, everything to the point about him saying that Tony Khan wants to hoard his money for all the WWE people he wants to bring in. And then the following line after that where he said, hey, Tony, would you treat me better if I was an ex-WWE guy? Uh, that that was absolutely amazing. Um, yep. I'm not <laughs> I've seen some people say, oh, they could run an angle with uh, Punk and NGF like it was with Punk and Cena at Money in the Bank. I'm sorry. You're not going to recreate that element because of this. Punk does not have the characteristics that John Cena brought to that program. He doesn't. Yes, he's experienced. He's a great wrestler. Punk's my guy. I'm not, but this is the truth. There was something special about John Cena that made that program work because, yeah, people would have been upset if John Cena beat CM Punk in Chicago and walked away with the title. You have people now, even to this day, that still don't like CM Punk. He's not this come-homing hero like John Cena is. They're two different performers. John, they're, they're, selling, they're doing a sell... Uh, the, uh, June is John Cena month for WWE yes, because they're celebrating Cena. his... His 20th anniversary. Yeah, but I, again, you understand my point where I come from with this. You can't re- recreate John Cena and CM Punk with MJF playing the CM Punk role because it's not true. Right. CM Punk's not a corporate shill. He's not rocking the gear and doing all this stuff. He's not John Cena. You could try to. I have no interest in seeing Tony Khan having a back and forth on TV with NGM because he'll be visually eviscerated again. <laughs> but 
again, like what? You're going to have NGF beat CM Punk it all out and blow kiss at Tony Khan? That's not going to work. No. Because people want to see that. Well, yeah. People want to see it. And people would not. Here's the thing, Josh. People would not be upset if CM Punk beat MJF. People were upset that Cena, if Cena were to beat Punk, people would be happy if Punk beat MJF because they like Punk. Right. Punk can do no wrong in AEW. That's right. a different thing with John Cena. People watch WWE at that time to hate watching. Correct. Control and boo. The dynamics are just not what it was. That You know why that's special? That program is special? It wasn't just because of CM Punk in the Pipe Rock promo. John Cena had a lot to do with that. Right. And I don't think people want to acknowledge that. I will, because I saw it in person of how loud that crowd was booing him. Every single thing, every single thing he did during that match. I've always had respect for John Cena. My respect grew for him 10 times that night because I knew how good a performer he was and how he handled that situation. It's just two different time periods and two different circumstances that they can't replicate. So this promo is probably the best promo of the year that I've heard, I've heard so far. 100%. Agree. And um, I can't put it over enough. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to go back to this weekend. And when I started hearing the reports that MJF didn't show the fan fest, again, I think I, my first initial thought was, okay, that's part of his character. Like, he's a dick. Like, that's MJF is a dick. That is his character. So I thought he was just doing that. So fine. Um, then you heard Samoa Joe didn't show a fan fest. And then I started thinking, ooh, AEW got some problems. But I guess there was a mis- But I guess there was a miscommunication and Joe was double booked. So there's another credit to AEW's geniusness. How are you going to double book one of your main stars to, to not show an event? But whatever. Then you get the report that he's coming home. And again, I think this was all work. He ended up showing up. And we said this before, I think Wardlow suffers because of all of this, because the focus was supposed to be on Wardlow finally getting his revenge on MJF. So right. that's stuck. Let's get to the promo itself. Now, the way I see this is I agree with you. This was the promo of the year. This is going to be a promo that's going to be played for decades. And MJF's only 26. So that's just kind of gives you an indication of how good he is. I said this a couple years ago on the show, Josh, and a lot of people were like, oh, come on, man. I said a couple years ago on the show that I think MJF is going to go down as one of the greatest of all time. And I think this is his, this is his step into becoming one of the greats of all time. Now he eventually needs to go to WWE, which I think he will. But if this ends up being a shoot that kind of turns into a work, cause I think this whole thing is a work and a shoot that kind of turned into a work fine. And they want to do something with that. That's, that's going to end up being fine. But again, like you, Josh, I ask, what did he say in that promo that was wrong? What did he say in that promo that was not real? Now, they're going to try to take this into an angle, but it's going to backfire. And eventually, once this angle has played itself out, people are going to realize, well, wait a minute. This is all just ex-WWE folk. Who's the original? I was cheering for him when he brought that up. Right. They were like, oh, wait. Holy shit. He's right. Tony Khan, what are you doing? And then eventually the crowd, while they're trying to play this up into an angle, and fine, they're going to run with it. Like, cool. I could very much see this backfiring real quick. Because I said a little while ago, it's over. The honeymoon period for AEW is over. Like, 
the bringing in the XWWE talent has run its course. Um, bashing WWE has run its course. We're like, yeah, okay, we get it. That's what you're trying to do. Fine. Like, what what are you doing for me now? Like, what are you doing to now actually, you know, make yourself your own separate product? Because eventually all those people that are going to... Now, AEW is always going to have people that are going to pump money into this company. Like, just to, to stick it to the man. And fine. Like, that's... that, that Fine. But eventually, the kind of folks who are checking out AEW to be like, oh, okay, this is kind of new. This is cool. They're eventually going to go, okay, we get it. You're, you're, you're trying to bring in ex-WWE talent and bash the company. Okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm done with you. And so MJF needs to get to WWE as soon as possible, um, even if he's there for only a year. You know, because, I, because the other thing about this, Josh, and I want to get your opinion on this. I know we're running late, but whatever. Um, I worry about MJF and WWE because of the type of product that that WWE is. You know, WWE is a more PG product. They cater more to kids. You know, there's some stuff on there. I don't know if MJF can connect with those kids. Um, and, you know, you have to because you have to connect with that sort of audience in some way to be successful in WWE. Cody Rhodes has done it brilliantly, which is why his return has worked. Because he's connected with all different fans. Seth Rollins does that. Roman Reigns does that. Like, they all do that. So, that's my only concern with MJF going to WWE. Now, I think he's going to get there eventually. And again, even if he's only there for a year, fine. But I I, I just hope that he can connect with all of the fan bases. But this was an incredible promo. This is going to be the promo that's going to put MJF in that elite level. He is the only thing elite, besides Punk. They are the only thing that is elite about all elite wrestling. Um, but I thought that this was tremendous. So do you have any thoughts on that? I do. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, and Jeff would not be, not, would not be the same in WWE. I disagree. Okay. If there's anybody that can adapt to his environments in no matter what the situation is, it's him. Fair. I mean, he did have to do Le Dinner Debonair, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're not bringing MJF into WWE to connect with kids. Fair. He's a heel. You're not here for him to be the baby face. <laughs> MJF can do what he wants, and he could. That's any situation. You don't think he would want to challenge himself to prove people wrong that he couldn't fit in that environment? I just throw it out there. I don't think people give him enough credit for how adaptable he is as a performer. And yeah, I get WWE is a PG company, but let's not sit here and act like Roman Reigns doesn't talk about a missionary position. Good point. And you hear uh, other raunchy content on the program too. It's not just bubble guns and um, you know Barney the dinosaur going on with the program. I get it's PG, but I, if anybody I think could spell the myth about NGF being good at WWE is NGF. I believe that. Um, what's my thoughts on it? I, I agree with you. The more that they keep leaning into this, the more it's going to expose a Tony Khan. And here's the thing, Brother Carter, I think NGF's going to bring up is everything that me and you have been saying on this show since we started this segment last year. Two years ago. Almost two years now. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah. This, I think, in a couple, uh, next week, actually, I believe, is the two, two year, year anniversary. 
a two-year anniversary of what the hell is wrong with AEW. Now, I'm not going to be able to be on the show next week, unfortunately. So, but but I will send you the audio, Josh. We have to play the clip of when we introduced, I believe it was episode, in fact, you can look it up on on the tube of you. No. Uh, let me Let me pull that up, what episode it was. I think it was episode 210, I want to say. I still have that clip. Um, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. I think, yeah, I think it's episode 210 of the yeah. Hoots podcast. So look it up. Uh, it was June 19th, 2020. So two weeks from now is the is the uh, two-year anniversary of what the hell is wrong with AEW. But you're right, Josh. We've been saying it from the very beginning. And now, finally, he's being exposed. And he only has himself to blame for it, too. Correct. So- Correct. Correct. By the way, it's gonna be great to see Maurice on my TV screen on Monday. Oh, that's right. This is Yeah. Uh, Very good. So, right on that note, we're gonna wrap it up here for this week's edition of the Who's Podcast. Um, I honestly, guys, I think this is probably one of our best episodes that we did so far this year. Um, a lot of fun. Uh. One important thing before I get to plugs that I do want to mention, and I've been waiting six weeks uh, to talk about this. It's not going to be long, but I just want to mention this really quick. Please. I'm very, very happy and elated for Johnny Depp, um, for mm-hmm. him getting um, winning his defamation trial that just uh, took place over the last month or so. And, you know, for to shed a light on what a lot of guys deal with on a personal level that's not talked about enough, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to mental or physical abuse from the other partners. So many times we hear about guys being worthless pieces of shit, and there are a lot of them out there. Trust me, there is. There's a lot of bad guys out there that can't handle their emotional control and attack women and do stupid stuff, and I I have no respect for those type of people. I don't. But let's not sit here and act like it's always exclusive to men who participate in domestic violence or mental uh, abuse, because that's not the case. Right. And everything that came out of this case, uh, (laughs) me of traps to avoid in the future, myself when it comes to relationships and other uh, potential traps that I avoided in other relationships that I could have been in or not. And, um, I'm just happy for Johnny Depp because it really painted the light for guys that deal with mental uh, and domestic abuse as well. So justice for Johnny did happen, and I'm happy for him, and that's all I have to say about that. I have no sympathy for the real-life Gone Girl. If you guys seen that movie, she Amber Heard is that character for sure. So, <laughs> um, All right, let's get to the plugs. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to check out ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. Make sure to follow Brent Carter on Twitter at Derek Stun, Derrico06 on Instagram. That's uh, Jericho with a D. And he's not a wizard. Not he's a wizard. A, no. He's a conductor. Let's remember that. Huge Make difference. Sure, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Make sure to check out uh, DerekStun.com and his work at WrestlingRumors.net. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself, and nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. For Brother Carter, I'm Joshy. This has been episode 312 of the Who's Podcast. Shout out to Referee Tony. Shout out to everybody who participates in the podcast each and every single week. We love you guys. 
Enjoy Hell in the Cell. Enjoy in your house. We'll be we'll be here, be a satellite, and myself here to recap the po- uh, everything that went down next week on the podcast. And we'll talk to y'all soon. Peace. Yes, sir.